Good evening and welcome to another edition of BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. I'm your co-host, Kerry Clark, with BamaMag.com, joined by Thomas Watts, our producer, Emeritus, in the studio in Mobile. He's with Touchdown Alabama Magazine, and we'll be joined in a few minutes, we think, by Drew DeArmond of ESPN 97.7 The Zone in Huntsville. The Crimson Tide has risen to number two in the polls this week. Play will host uh, at 8.15 Central Time Saturday to number 15 Ole Miss, in a game that, quite frankly, could go either way, uh, you have to like Alabama because it's at home, but there are a lot of other factors to consider, and we'll spend the next two hours doing just that. But before that, let me swing it over to Thomas Watts to help us pay a little bit of freight. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about SeatGeek.com. SeatGeek is an iOS or Android app which you can use to find tickets to Alabama games. With a visit from the Old Miss Rebels coming up, SeatGeek is the place to go for deals for that game or any other games you might want to go to. How does it work? SeatGeek aggregates tickets from every major ticket site online and puts them all into a single place to make your comparison shopping easy. When you're ready to buy your tickets, just use a couple of taps on your app, snag a deal, and you're ready to roll. It finds these tickets with a piece of technology called DealScore. DealScore calculates what every ticket in the building is worth and whether whatever that price is is a good or a bad deal. Like we say on both Two Deep Zone and BAM's radio, if it's green, it's good, and if it's red, it's dead. Make sure to download the SeatGeek app on your iOS or Android device, or if you're more browser-inclined, take a look at SeatGeek.com for all your Crimson Tide ticketing needs. Did I lose Kerry, or did he mute himself? He's I'm been... back. There we go. <laughs> I uh, pulled it through. I, uh, a wise man once told me uh, that the two primary colors that make the world go round are pink and green. And uh, <laughs> without going into other detail, we're going to talk crimson. So, uh, you know, Thomas, I was listening as I was driving in before the show came on to another network, and they had Phil Steele on who – I uh, I put a lot of credence in what he says, and he feels like that Alabama this coming Saturday night is going to win twenty-eight to seventeen fairly convincingly. Uh, personally, uh, even coming off an impressive win over Middle Tennessee and Ole Miss, of course, averaging seventy-four and a half a game, I, I have a funny feeling it's going to be a little closer than that. I do feel like Alabama is going to win the game this Saturday, but I'm leaning more towards say twenty-eight twenty-four. How about you? Oof. A twenty-eight okay, twenty-eight seventeen means Alabama has number two in a in a hammerlock, leaning more towards like a twenty to seventeen type thing. I think points are going to be at a premium throughout, and it's going to be a four quarter slobber knocker. But if Alabama wins by eleven points, I'll be the happiest person to be proven wrong that you ever did see. Well, you're saying three, and I'm saying four. I'm saying twenty-eight twenty-four. Oh, I'm sorry. So Phil Steele was twenty-eight seventeen. Yeah. I, I'm not as optimistic as Phil. But I do feel like the home crowd will, will, will be a factor, as it has been in the past. Uh, Phil said that there were a lot of comparisons to the 2013 game where everybody was, was predicting this four-quarter slugfest, and Alabama shut them out 25 to nothing because Freeze kept going for uh, first downs and eschewing field goals. Uh, yeah. I don't know about that. I don't see Alabama pitching a shutout this week. But I do think they can hang on to win like a 28-24. You're saying 20-17. to 17. Phil Steele saying 28-17. What does Rudy Armand say? Hello, guys. Thomas, Kerry, how are you guys doing tonight? Been a busy, busy day. Uh, but I feel you. <laughs> I was just hearing your conversation. Uh, 
I got Alabama 27-20 to over the Ole Miss Rebels. Started to go 27-17. I guess I'm going to give Ole Miss a little credit. But I think it's going to be a good football game. But I think Alabama is going to find a way to win. If if this defense is special, and I think it has a chance to be, uh, they're going to find a way to win this thing. And just uh, have to find a way to make a couple of kicks and uh, hopefully Gunnar Rayburn. And then, uh, and then you've got um, uh, Jake Coker. Very likely to get the start. Hopefully, we'll get the Wisconsin Jay Coker. We've got a really good show lined up for y'all tonight. Uh, thanks for you, all you listening live right now. It's about five after eight Central Time. We thank you, and we also thank all of you who are listening to our podcast. We're going to hear from our own sponsor of the hotline for Bams Radio, a Big Head Chuck. He's going to call us in about forty minutes. We're also going to hear uh, in the second hour from our good friend Colin Big C McGuire. We're going to hear a debate about the quarterbacks on each team from Thomas Watts and the Ole Miss representative from V Sporto. And uh, also, Drew, uh, we, we've got a pretty special guest uh, coming on this hour that's going to join us in just a few minutes. Something that we used to do a lot of on BAMS Radio, we kind of got away from it. Now we're getting back to it, which is bringing in somebody with the opposing viewpoint, somebody that covers the opposing team. And, and I'm really, really excited about uh, – you know, <laughs> about who we've got coming up in a few minutes. Tell us a little bit about him while Thomas endeavors to get him. Yeah, absolutely. At about 8.15, we're going to be speaking with David Brandt. Uh, he covers Ole Miss and really the, the state of Mississippi, uh, old Mississippi State and Southern Miss. But uh, for the Associated Press, uh, you know, he's someone that's very knowledgeable. He's been on my show on Talking Ball during uh, the March run for the Ole Miss Rebel basketball team. Uh, the big play-in game win over BYU, and obviously uh, they went home the next round. But Andy Kennedy got his group there, and uh, he's a, a knowledgeable guy, very, very, very well connected in the state of Mississippi, and we look forward to him having his thoughts on the game as Ole Miss tries to do something they've only done one time in their history, and that was, of course, back in 1988 uh, during homecoming when the Rebels shocked Alabama in the uh, during the Bill Curry era. Yeah, they did, and uh, Alabama got shut out at home for like the first time in eons, if not ever. And uh, the morning after the game, allegedly, a brick was thrown through Coach Bill Curry's office window. Most Alabama fans and pundits said it couldn't have been thrown by quarterback Vince Sutton because it was too accurate. Vince had a rough day that day. But uh, Vince has actually uh, had some tough times lately. I'm not trying to make fun of him. I'm just telling you that was a joke at, at that time in 1988. And uh, Ole Miss, of course, you know, they put out videos of it, VHSs of it, and they made paintings of it, and it was a big deal for them to beat Alabama. Uh, they beat Alabama in Oxford a few years later uh, when Franchoni was at Alabama's helm. And, of course, they beat Alabama last year in Oxford. And a lot has been made this week, Drew, of Nick Saban's excellent record in revenge games. Uh, since he's come to Tuscaloosa, it's 9-1. and one. But even overall, it's pretty good, too. So, like I said, all, all three of us are in agreement that Alabama should win the game, but it's certainly not a done deal. This is a very, very, very dangerous Ole Miss team, Drew. Well, it is a dangerous team. Uh, They're very talented and and very fast and quick on defense. I have a great wide receiver core. I think probably the the, uh, Rock with Texas A&M, the two best in the SEC. Uh, They have a quarterback. He's untested, Chad Kelly, but he's more talented than Bo Wallace, uh, the nephew of Jim Kelly be his first road start in college. Uh, you know, a lot of people in the state of Mississippi 
uh, think he's the next Johnny Manziel. They think he's going to, you know, light Alabama up. We'll see. Uh, he's never been in an environment like he'll be in on Saturday night. Uh, Johnny Manziel reacted well the first time he was there. But, again, I do think Alabama has the tools to rattle his cage. And I know uh, they, it, it's been a it's been a, a week with a lot of tension uh, at Alabama. They know it's a big game. And uh, the coaching staff's been grinding. It's going to be very interesting to see how the tide comes out and plays. But I'll be shocked if they're not uh, ready and raring to go on uh, Saturday at 8.05. Yeah, they have a chance to make a statement, Drew. And, and what this game makes me think of is back at SEC Media Days, which we both had the chance to cover, Reggie Ragland made the statement that think teams are just not afraid of Alabama anymore. Uh, they don't see anything about the Crimson Jersey that scares them. They look forward to playing Alabama. Ole Miss is coming off a win against Alabama. Uh, you know, all their players are convinced that they're going to win this week. That didn't used to be the case. That's something that's changed. And what I'm trying to say is Alabama, in my opinion, regardless of the score, Alabama's got a chance to make a statement in this ball game just by getting a victory of any type. Well, I want to jump in real quick. Um, I think the important thing about this game is Alabama goes back to those power sets that we saw against Wisconsin. Ole Miss's defense is excellent. I mean, you can – Murph and I have sung the defense's praises numerous times on our show. But can Alabama start grinding on them? If you go back to the 56-yard touchdown that Derrick Henry had against Wisconsin, that was a power set. The right guard and O.J. Howard pulled through a space between the center and the left guard. That was an extra 500 pounds of beef and – then Derrick Henry came behind it. I do not think there is a defense in America that can stand up to four quarters of that kind of pounding. I liked what I saw against Wisconsin. Middle Tennessee was a zombie game. And if Alabama can do what they did against Wisconsin to Ole Miss, the season's really going to open up. Because if you can run on that Ole Miss defense, you can run on pretty much anybody. Just my, Henry, just my two well, cents. No, you're right. And Derrick Henry had 31 carries total in the first two games, 13 and then 18. You know, based on what you just said, and I totally agree with it, it would not shock me if he had close to that in this game. Well, I think that, uh, and we'll do a full scout later, but I think that Alabama is going to have to run to set up the pass. I, I don't want Jake Coker to do anything in an obvious passing situation because that scares the bejesus out of me. But there shouldn't be many of those for this Alabama team. I think Alabama will be able to find success against Ole Miss, and it will be playing a physical style of football. Once that physical style really sets in, I think it's game on. I just It's it's one of those things where maybe Alabama struggles offensively through the first quarter, but once they keep getting on track and keep hitting Ole Miss with the cliched body blows, they'll start, t- they'll start telling those holes will get bigger, and Derrick Henry's just going to keep on chugging. So... That's what I look for, but we'll get into more specifics later. Yeah, and I believe Derrick Henry is definitely going to get 20-plus carries. Uh, I also want to see the impact Kenyon Drake will have. Um, uh, you know, he, he was a huge part of the game plan last year and uh, got injured, broke his leg, and missed the rest of the game, and I think it shell-shocked Alabama a lot. And then another factor a lot of people have not brought up, Mark Burnett did uh, astutely point it out on my show on Monday, but or excuse me, Tuesday, 
But uh, Ryan Kelly missed a, a portion of that game, too, and Bradley Bozeman was not ready for prime time at that time. Just he played much better uh, the next week against Texas A&M. But uh, th- those two losses were uh, were a, a big reason Alabama did not win the football game. Just Just to add on to the Ryan Kelly thing, even with an injured Ryan Kelly, which did stunt the offense, Alabama ran for 170 yards against this football team. And it wasn't just Blake Sims. Blake Sims had seven carries for eight yards. The majority right. of it was T.J. Yeldon. So you have to feel pretty good about Alabama's ability to line up and just slug with the Ole Miss Rebels. And, and to be honest, I mean, Derrick Henry had some success. I felt like they got away from the run a little bit too much the second half, um, especially when they had the lead, um, you know, the, the, when after the Cyrus Jones play near the end of the half and – in the third quarter, they looked like they were taking control, and then they got into the red area and started trying to throw the ball. But I just really believe uh, that, that this is a this is a game that Alabama's had circled, and I, I think they want to make a statement, and I think they want to physically try to take it to Ole Miss and uh, show them what physicality is and, and what SEC big boy football can be. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a situation like Thomas said, where you uh, you do the body blows first, second quarter, and then finally, uh, like in a real boxing match, uh, you do enough body blows, the hands come down to protect the body, and then you hit them in the mouth. And if you can get a lead in the fourth quarter, and you have a, a, a still relatively fresh Kenyon Drake, and maybe even. Maybe he may not be ready for this yet, but maybe even Damian Harris. But you have somebody fresh you can put there when you're wanting to move the chains uh, just to protect the lead. You want to rest Derrick Henry a little bit. I think Alabama's got the backs to do it. Uh, but again, uh, this is a dangerous, dangerous Ole Miss team, and uh, Alabama's defense is going to have to be on their P's and Q's. There, there can't be any missed assignments. Uh, you know, we talk about the front seven all the time, but the secondary is going to be very heavily tested. And you've got a quarterback in Chad Kelly that, as you actually pointed out, is, is more athletic and can actually run the ball pretty well. So you've got to guard against quarterback runs, too. Exactly, Kerry. You've got to uh, guard against uh, the quarterback run. You've got, to, you've got to account for him. You know, Reggie Ragland is going to have to spy Chad Kelly and do a good job of that and track him. And uh, some people don't think Dylan Lee will play a lot in the game. I think he may play a lot at inside backer, at will linebacker in the nickel because he may be asked to cover Evan Ingram. And I wouldn't want to see Reuben Foster right now trying to cover Evan Ingram. He's an explosive athlete. Uh, you know, right? Dylan Lee didn't have much of a stat line through two games, but if he can do his job and, and do a good job of covering Ingram, kind of take him away, I think that would be big uh, for Alabama. And personally, on the offensive side, speaking of tight ends, O.J. Howard, he's had two really good weeks. You know, we've we've uh, kind of talked about how this was his time that he needed to step up. Well, he has, and now this could be a big game of redemption for him because, of course, he did not have a good afternoon, as everybody remembers, last year. Yeah, he's learned the importance of high-pointing the ball. But, uh, Drew, our first guest of the evening has joined us on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline. You can check him out at bigheadsbbq.net. Go ahead and introduce him for us, Drew. Absolutely. It's, it's my honor tonight uh, to be joined uh, by uh, David Brandt, uh, who covers the Ole Miss Rebels, and we said Mississippi State and Southern Miss for the Associated Press. And I know that state is a buzz right now for the opportunity that the Rebels have coming to Tuscaloosa to try to make some history and, and win a big game and win their SEC opener. But we just wanted to get his perspective uh, from the Ole Miss side. And uh, it's just we're, we're really, really – Pleased and uh, honored to be joined by him tonight. David, how are you? Doing well. How are you guys? 
doing really well, man. And I guess first of all, uh, Ole Miss, they've been, you know, I don't think they've played the, the caliber of opponent Alabama as early, but they have been very, very impressive nonetheless, uh, averaging over 73 points per game, uh, playing solid defense, and really doing what you need to do against an inferior opponent. Unlike Auburn, who couldn't put Jacksonville State away, it, uh, uh, Ole Miss has had no problem in their first two weeks. We just kind of talk about the level that Hugh Freeze's fourth uh, Rebel playing at thus far. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss is off to a, a, a terrific start. Like you said, scored about 74 points a game, which is kind of ridiculous. But, you know, obviously the level of opponent with UT Martin and Fresno State has not been particularly high. I mean, Alabama's going to be a huge step up in competition for them this week. But, again, you know, when you play a team like a UT Martin or a Fresno State, you just want to see your team go out there and execute their stuff, you know, be crisp on offense and, and make some plays on defense. And, and certainly Ole Miss looked great in those two games. And I, I think that Chad Kelly has really looked more comfortable than I think people thought immediately. He's, he throws a real easy deep ball, um, and, and he seems to know the offense really well. So a great first two weeks for Ole Miss. Again, you know, the competition – steps up a ton this week so we'll see what they're made of this saturday but everything so far through two weeks has been very good for the rebels uh david Kerry clark here with BamaMag.com. i'm drew's co-host and thomas is on this show um, i believe you and i have shared a few press boxes uh in oxford in, uh, over the years uh, i don't know if you were year i don't know if you were there the year a few years back when they had the pa announcement inside the press box uh, warning us about excessive conversation <laughs> that'll happen from you time remember that time. we get chatty in the press box yeah, well, we have it now in Tuscaloosa because of Drew and this guy named Gary Harris. But anyway, uh, to let you know, uh, but it, really the elephant in the room, I guess, about this game is, uh, and, and this is not a Big Al mascot pun, this is a serious question, the elephant in the room is, what can you tell us at this hour about the potential or the probability or the lack thereof of Larry Mutunsel for this week's game? Well, that that is the question that everyone wants to know, and Ole Miss has actually done a very good job, better than usual, of uh, keeping kind of the information under wraps. Um, just I, what I can tell you is just from talking to Hugh Freeze, from you know going back and forth a little with Ross Bjork, the AD, I I just don't sense a lot of optimism there. I, I would be very surprised if Larrabee Tunsil plays on Saturday. I've I've been surprised before; stuff happens, but. I, I just don't sense that optimism for him. So it, it's my opinion that he will not play on Saturday. I have been wrong before, though. And, David, if if he doesn't play, obviously Ole Miss is – I'm pretty sure they've been preparing for this, you know, most of fall camp then early in the season. But kind of talk about the challenge ahead for their offensive line because, obviously, this Alabama front has been very good and lived up to the hype the first two weeks. Of course, this will be probably their biggest test. Uh, with the the uh, skill talent of the Rebels, but uh, Ole Miss is going to have to create some balance in some form or fashion. I think uh, they have they were not really good at running the football last year, but Chad Kelly uh, obviously brings some mobility to the table. Jalen Walton has played well early, but they're going to have to find a way because uh, they they while they're very talented throwing the football, I, I do not question that at all. I don't think they can win this game being one dimensional. Oh, I totally do agree. I, I think it's the key to the game. Um, you know, I think just about every team in America would be better with an NFL caliber left tackle. And, and that's what Laramie Tunzel is. And, and without him, um, you know, there, there's a drop off. So they, they've moved Fawn Cooper from right tackle to left tackle. He started there the last couple games and he's all right. He's a pretty good player. 
And then at right tackle, they've inserted a redshirt freshman named Sean Rawlings, who's a good – you know, he's going to be a very good player, but a little young right now, um, and, and Alabama's going to be tough for him. You talked about how good Bama's defensive line is, and it's going to be a, a tough go for him. In the interior with Javon Patterson, Robert Conyers, Rod Taylor, Justin Bell, whoever they play at right guard. I mean, they'll be okay in the middle, but I, I totally agree. If I'm, if I'm Alabama, I really test that offensive line. I, I really try to stuff the run because if, if you force Ole Miss to be one-dimensional, I think you'll be all right. But if, if Ole Miss proves they can run the ball, then that and the receivers with Treadwell and Stringfellow and Adeboisio, they get dangerous. So I, I think the biggest deal of the game is watching that first half if Ole Miss is able to run the ball with any success. David, we were talking before you came on about the uh, fact that Chad Kelly is, is quite a bit more athletic than, than Bo was and therefore presents more of a threat on the quarterback runs. But even last couple of years, Bo made some yardage against Alabama. Uh, if you're Alabama, if you're Kirby Smart, what do you do to make sure that, that, that Chad Kelly does not hurt you with quarterback runs this game? Well, I heard you guys talking a little bit. I think you do have to have somebody keep an eye on him. Um, Chad hasn't run a ton in the first couple games. He will when he has to, but he's more of one of those guys that will run to get in position to throw, if you know what I mean. He's not necessarily – he's athletic enough, but he doesn't really run for the sake of just running, scrambling. I mean, he can do it if he has to. He's a pretty good athlete, but – that's really not his first choice. At least that's what I've seen through two games. So he has that capability. You've got to keep an eye on him because he can hurt you once in a while. But I would be much more worried about his ability to throw than I would his ability to run. And, David, uh, obviously uh, this this wide receiver core for Ole Miss, to me, along with the Texas A&M Maggies, is the best in the SEC um, uh, Laquan Treadwell hasn't reached the end zone in two games, uh, hasn't been as involved as I thought. But of course, they've they've played against overmatched opponents. You know how is he physically? And then also, uh, Alabama is going to have to be careful though because been very impressed with Cody Core. Was impressed with him last year. I think he doesn't get enough credit. And then you you just said out of out of he's got four touchdown catches. He he surprised me. I think he's improved a lot. Yeah, it's really the one position I think that Ole Miss has a legitimate talent advantage maybe on Alabama. I mean, they they are very good and very deep at receiver. Treadwell has looked very good. You know, you said he, hadn't, he hasn't been in the end zone, but he's caught a lot of passes, and, and he's looked physically about like he did last year. So I think he's very good. Adeboisio, when you talked about Cody Core, uh, Demoria Stringfellow can stretch you vertically. Um, and then Evan Ingram, the tight end, who really hasn't been used much in the first couple games, um, you know, he's got the ability to hurt other teams too. So they haven't had to use Ingram much because teams have been so overmatched that the deep ball has always been open for Ole Miss, so there's been no reason to check down to Ingram. But against Alabama, obviously, that will probably be a little different. So um, I think that's one area, again, Ole Miss has to establish the fact that it can run a little bit. But if they can get in the passing game and get some one-on-ones, I, I think Ole Miss likes its chances. I, I agree. Uh, you know, LeGuan Treadwell was a beast last year. I hated to see him get injured, but it's great that he's come back. And uh, I had I, heard that he had looked good physically, so you're definitely backing that up. And I know he's going to be heavily involved in the game plan. And uh, I know he's he's still well over 100 yards receiving with eight catches and uh, he and it's just a matter of time, you know. In my opinion, before he explodes in the SEC, I mean, he was on track to do that last year uh, before the injury against the Auburn Tigers, which 
really should have won that football game. But, again, uh, I, I am very, very impressed uh, with their wide receiver core. Uh, but also uh, the running game, I know one of the, the big focuses in the offseason for you, Freeze, is getting better at running the football. Uh, how have they improved in that area? And I know, of course, it's, it's hard to tell because they haven't played a great opponent yet, but have they made any changes schematically to their running game? Not a lot. Uh, you know, honestly, I, I think they just got a year older. They got a little more talent on that offensive line. They they got a, a true freshman, Javon Patterson, is playing left guard a lot for them, and he's going to be a really good player. He's already pretty solid. I think that helped them a little. Really in the interior I think they're better this year and, and able occasionally at least to push some people around. Again, we'll see against Alabama how that goes. But, um, you know, not not a whole lot of changes schematically. Uh, they're trying to mix it up. Jalen Walton is a talented back, but he's a smaller guy. He's really not a guy that's going to pound between the tackles too much. Uh, you're, you're, they're kind of deep there. They've got a guy named Akeem Judd who's had some success the first couple games. Jordan Wilkins, who's decent, Eugene Brasley, all those guys have at times looked good as they've spread the ball around throughout the game. So they have some options. I think they are better in that regard. Whether that's good enough to go against Alabama's defensive front remains to be seen. But I I think especially along the interior, like I said, the middle three guys on the offensive line, I, I think they've improved. Turning to the other side of the ball, David, uh, three years ago, there was a massive recruiting battle for Robert Kimdichie. Many people thought for a while that Alabama had a good shot because his high school coach had played on Bama's 92 national championship team. That didn't work out in the long run. Ole Miss got him. Uh, he is one of, if not the best defensive lineman in our conference. And now he's all of a sudden become a two-way threat. For those who haven't watched the highlights, tell our listeners exactly how on both sides of the ball Ole Miss is using Kimdichie thus far. Well, the, the offensive side has obviously been the surprise. You know, for a guy that's nearly 300 pounds, he's he's very athletic, which is why he was the, the number one recruit a few years ago. He caught a 31-yard touchdown pass uh, against UT Martin, and they, they used him in kind of a, a jumbo package um, at the goal line against Fresno State, um, and, and he scored a one-yard touchdown run. And I, I think that package, the jumbo package at the goal line, will be something that Ole Miss might use throughout the year. I, I think the the pass and all that might be a little bit of a gimmick. But I think that jumbo package is actually something you might see even against Alabama or something like that. Then defensively, he's just he's kind of coming to his own. They can put him at tackle. They can put him at end. He moves around a lot. He's, he's just a matchup problem. And when other teams have to account for him, it, it makes everybody on the backside of that defense with their linebackers, their secondary, more dangerous because they can roam and, and do different things when your defensive line is putting pressure. So Kimdichie has really kind of turned into the player they thought he was. They'd like to see him finish a few more plays, you know, get some sacks, some tackles for loss. But, uh, I mean, his number five is, is pretty obvious out there most of the time. He's, he's a really nice player. And then, David, obviously in the secondary, uh, Ole Miss lost two really good football players. Sinquez Golson makes the play in the back of the end zone last year to seal the upset 23-17 over Alabama. Cody Pruitt, uh, multi-year starter, uh, All-SEC, really an All-American in strong safety. But at SEC Media Days, they still felt like they were going to be better back there this year despite those losses. And now T. Shepard has been suspended for the first half. You know, what kind of role was he playing? And then overall, how are they uh, – how is how are they are they satisfied and has has the secondary played at the level they'd hoped? 
Well, certainly losing Shepard is is not a good thing, but but Ole Miss is fairly deep at corner, and I, I think that losing him for one half, while that's not ideal, I, I don't think that's too big of a deal. They've got some guys. They've got Tony Bridges, who's a really nice corner, and then their safety play has really been a strength for them. Trey Elston has a, has a couple interceptions. He's brought back for touchdowns already this year. Um, and Tony Connor might be their best all-around player, um, just a, a guy that's always around the football kind of, the leader of that defense, especially as it relates to the back part of it. And so their, their safety play has been really, really good. Their corners have been fine, too. And like I said, losing Shepard is not a good thing, but I, I think they can weather that for a, at least a half. David, there had been a rumor, and I'm sure it's not confirmed at all, but there, we have to ask, there had been a rumor a day or two ago about Trey Elston possibly being involved in some type of bar fight in downtown Oxford. Was there any truth to that, and, and is he expected to be full go? I, I heard a little bit about those two. Nothing has been confirmed yet. I, if, if that's true, no one has been able to uncover it. I never say never on anything, but you know, as of now, I, I think he's full go. And David, uh, it's just it's, it's it's obviously with Alabama they've had a lot of trouble uh, in their kicking game in the first two uh, weeks of the season. Adam Griffith, I'm sure it's been uh, talked about over there. 0 for four has not made a field goal. J.K. Scott, uh, he was huge last year for the Tide. Is we had a subpar first game was somewhat better uh, against Middle Tennessee State, but the kicking game should be big uh, in this football game. It was big last year. I mean, obviously Alabama had the turnover near the end of the first half to go up 14-3, to but um, Ole Miss uh, did a great job. Uh, the play of the game, really, in my opinion, uh, stripping uh, Christian Jones during his kickoff return, recovering that, and then running the wheel route uh, to uh, for the touchdown uh, to Jalen Walton, the first play of the drive with Bo Wallace to, to, for the go-ahead touchdown. How have they? How has Ole Miss performed in the kicking game? Obviously, that, it hasn't really been needed uh, with the way they've played offensively and defensively, but where are they uh, that why in the, in the, as far as special teams goes? Well, they, like you said, they just haven't had to use it much. I mean, they've, they've been good so far, but there's been absolutely zero pressure on, on the kickers and punters really to do that kind of stuff. So we'll, we'll see this week. I, I know Ole Miss feels good about those guys, um, but again, until you're in front of 100,000 people kicking a field goal that means something, you know, sometimes things change. Um, as far as return guys, uh, you know, Carlos Davis has done some nice things for them in the return game, had some big games. So, I, you know, I think they're just really untested in that area. You know, I, I think the coaches feel good about the, the players they have doing things for them. But, again, they just – when they – you know, they've been up 28 nothing after the first quarter in both games. So, there, there just hasn't been – I mean, some of that is good because obviously you give some guys confidence. But I'm sure Hugh Freeze wouldn't have minded – at least a little bit of pressure football before he went into this Alabama game. Yeah, because honestly, I'm sure he likes where his team is, but you never know until they face some adversity. Uh, they have not as of yet. Uh, and, of course, this Alabama secondary, this is going to be – they did they did a pretty good job, gave up some plays against Joel Stave in Wisconsin. Uh, Erickson, nice – had a nice tight end and Austin Trailer, but they have not – they weren't on at the level of these old Miss receivers – that's, I think, the most intriguing point. How is Chad Kelly going to react, and will they be able to make plays vertically down the field? Because, uh, you know, Bo Wallace didn't make a ton of them last year, but he did hit the big play to Evan Ingram, and he was able to make some plays at key times. And 
once again, that's probably uh, going to be uh, the way this game will be decided because, in my opinion, it's two good defenses. It's going to be kind of like a fist fight. I don't think this is going to be a super high-scoring game. Right. I can see it somewhere in that 27 to 20 range. And, uh, you know, the thing I'm interested to see with Chad Kelly is obviously he's looked great. Like I said, his deep ball has looked terrific. He's got good receivers. But he's always had in these first two games a clean pocket to work with very few times as he had serious pressure on him. I mean, when he gets knocked on his rear end a couple times, you know, and gets hit, how's he going to respond? Or, or how's he going to respond when he makes a mistake? I mean, that could obviously happen against a, a defense as talented as Alabama. So, I just think there's and, – and for both teams to a degree, but I think even more so for Ole Miss just because of the level of competition they've played, there's just so much that's unknown. Uh, I mean, I, I think Ole Miss has a lot of talent at several positions, and, and we've gone over that. But, you know, you just – you never know until you go out and play a team in a hostile environment. So, so Chad Kelly, that's kind of the guy I'm looking at early, just how do you respond when you get knocked down once or twice? How do you do – you, you know, get happy feet in the pocket or you stand in there and, and deliver. David, I'm going to ask a non-football question here just because I'm curious to know about perception. Uh, you cover Ole Miss, but you also cover State. And State made a, a, a pretty bold basketball hire in, in Ben Howland. And then Alabama, uh, very soon after, countered that by bringing in Avery Johnson. I'm just wondering, what is the rest of the SEC, including folks at Ole Miss and State, what is their perception of, of Alabama's hire of Avery Johnson? Well, I think it was, it's obviously a name that people who follow basketball know. I mean, he's he's done great things as an NBA coach, and he's been an analyst and all those things. It's He's just unproven, you know what I mean? And, and when I mean unproven, I mean obviously he knows his basketball, but it's just different at the college level, the recruiting game, all that stuff. And so, you know, I, I think from the outside looking in, people are intrigued by that hire. It's obviously a great name and it's just kind of a, a wait and see mode. But I think overall people are pleased that the SEC is stepping its game up and, and really going after some big names, you know, Ben Howland, Avery Johnson, Bruce Pearl, you know, there's, there's a lot of names, Rick Barnes at Tennessee, you know, these are, these are guys, these are accomplished coaches. And, you know, it's kind of been a tough go in basketball the last few years. I mean, you've always had Kentucky and, and Florida certainly had some really good moments, but, after that, it, it's fallen off pretty quickly, and, and I think that, you know, that Alabama hire of Avery Johnson has people intrigued. So we'll be able to see how he does, you know, with his recruiting going forward, but certainly it's a name that I think would appeal to, to college recruits. Well, just one more question, just going back to football real fast. It, obviously, you've seen how Ole Miss has played through the first two games. Do you feel like the Alabama running offense – is going to be able to make gains against that very tough defense? Because I feel like that's really where the game's going to be won or lost. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I think that Alabama, yes, will be able to run. And I'm not talking about running wild for 300 yards or something like that. But I actually think that Alabama will be able to move the ball on the ground a little bit. And I agree. I mean, it's always in the trenches with the SEC teams. And and, and Ole Miss is solid on the defensive line. But I think that that's a pretty evenly matched part. I think it's going to come down to, you know, some old-fashioned X's and O's and, and game planning and, and who kind of has some surprises. But um, it, it should be really good because it's strength on strength. I mean, those are terrific running backs. And you talked about Laquan Treadwell. I think everybody at Ole Miss is, is happy to see Kenyon Drake come back and, 
and look like he's doing some good things for Alabama. And then, of course, Derrick Henry's a great back, too. So, um, yes, I think Alabama will be able to move the ball, but I, I think it's going to be a tough go for both teams on that side of the ball. And, David, finally, uh, and uh, you bring up a great point. It's going to be interesting because Ryan Kelly missed a lot of that contest. He's back. Is probably is definitely one of the better centers in the SEC in the country. Kenyon Drake, uh, you know, was a big part of that game plan, and then uh, was off to a pretty good start, and then was out for the rest of the game. He and Derrick Henry will that will be the the deciding factor, and it'll be on Lane Kiffin as far as uh, on, he's going to have to bring along Jake Coker, uh, get back to being physical to give Alabama a chance in this game. I have Alabama winning a twenty-seven to twenty, really good football game. Uh, what is your take, and what kind of feel do you have for the matchup? Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to copy you there, but that's pretty much what I've been telling everybody, too. I think in that, you know, 28-21 range, 28-20, I, I, what's the spread at now? It's about seven, isn't it? And I, I think that's about right. I, I think that, you know, history, it's just hard to bet against Alabama and Tuscaloosa with, with everything they've got going for them. I, I do think that relative to history, Ole Miss and Alabama are much closer from a talent standpoint than usual. I think Ole Miss legitimately has a lot of talent at several positions, a couple guys at least that are going to be first-round draft picks. But I really like how physical Alabama's been. I think they're a little more battle-tested in that Wisconsin game. I like the fact that they're at home, and I just don't quite think that Ole Miss has what it takes right now uh, to win that game. But but I think Ole Miss has the ability to do it, but I, I just think, if you're asking me, I, I think about a seven-point game in the 20s, Alabama wins. Well, David, we really appreciate the time. We know you're very busy. Uh, hope to see you in the press box Saturday in Tuscaloosa. Should be an epic game. Late, be late, a late night for everyone, but should be some really good football to see, and we thank you for taking the time to join BAMS Radio tonight. It's been a pleasure, man. Thanks. Thanks, David. Appreciate Absolutely, it. Absolutely, guys. Yeah, take care. That's David Brandt, everyone, who covers Ole Miss for the Associated Press. Some very nice uh, and insightful info on the Ole Miss Rebels as they come in very confident uh, that they can uh, break the string with the Alabama Crimson Tide. And also, we didn't get a chance to talk about this. We talked a little basketball, Kerry, but uh, they will have the new TAD pad opening this year in Oxford. So that is, a, is that a brand-new deal, or are they just revamped? Brand-new building have? right next to the old one. Oh, well, good for them. Uh, Alabama's yep. going to have a whole lot. I don't have the whole list. But Alabama's going to have a whole lot of basketball visitors this weekend. And one thing that I noticed that was interesting, and this may have gone on with the previous administration. If it, if they if it did, they didn't publicize it. But this year, right there around, uh, it looks like it's around uh, uh, the outside of the stadium there on Bryant Drive, somewhere around that area, the basketball team has their own tailgate uh, right. for people associated with the squad. And, I mean, it's, it's it, you know, Levi was there last week, who's now back in camp with the Celtics. And uh, just a very partial list, uh, 2017 guard Terriante Thomas and 2018 forward uh, Robert Woodward are two prospects who will be on campus at Alabama this weekend. But I know there's going to be a lot more because it's such a big game and they, they really want to show the football uh, facilities and stadium and all that to the basketball prospects as they visit. So I did want to get his take on what the uh, rest of the folks thought about Avery, and it was an interesting take. Uh, I guess that some people just forget that he had a son that was recruited by A&M, and he went through all that with him. But And I was guilty of that when I first heard his name as well. But that's a perception that's going to change and, and change very, very, very quickly. And uh, But, yeah, that was good to hear from David. Uh, 
for those of you who read the Associated Press articles here in the state of Alabama, the the role that David plays is similar to that of John Zener. Uh, John is based out of Montgomery, and we may have him on BAMS one week if we can. He's an Auburn grad, but he stays very uh, unbiased, in my opinion. He does, uh, and he covers you know whoever has the bigger game that week. That's pretty much David's role uh, over in Mississippi. Uh, he'll he'll if Ole Miss is playing a, a big game, he'll cover that in Oxford. If his state's playing a big game, he'll go to Starkville. But it's a neat kind of job that exposes you to both the schools in your state. And I know he probably does a little bit with Southern Miss, who, uh, by the way, the Alabama soccer team beat Southern Miss tonight, so good for them on that. And uh, the Alabama basketball team actually goes down to Hattiesburg, and it was announced today that that game is going to be televised uh, with a 6 p.m. start. So uh, that's the Southern Miss part of the show, and it's now over with. But uh, hope you all enjoyed hearing David Brandt, and that, that's a guy that uh, we might actually consider getting him back the week of a state game, Drew. I thought he had some real good insight. Yes, he really did. And uh, as we said, he he's very close to both programs. He was called over the – Mississippi State coverage uh, this week. They play Northwestern State, and then, of course, they will face the Auburn Tigers on the Plains the week after. So David will probably very likely be in Auburn in two weeks. And I hope to see him Saturday, and it's going to be the game. Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet handling the play-by-play. Heather Cox on the sidelines. It's a chance for Alabama to make a statement. Of course, Ole Miss thinks they can make a statement. So, it's going to be a very, very interesting uh, last part of this week, and then Alabama getting ready to play against a quality opponent. I do think they'll find a way to win it, but as David said, and rightly so, this is a talented Ole Miss squad, and the talent level between the two teams is much closer than it has been in a while. Very much so. Uh, Ole Miss has had some really good recruiting classes. Uh, quite frankly, they're not the same offense, regardless of seventy-four and a half points a game against uh, what, what amounts to junior college teams. They're not the same offense without Laramie Tunsil. And uh, but I tell you what, we've got another caller now on the Big Head's Barbecue Hotline. Uh, a precursor to Big Head himself is going to be calling us in a few minutes. But let's go ahead and bring on uh, Touchdown Alabama Magazine's own Stephen M. Smith. And Stephen, uh, first off, welcome to Bams Radio. Secondly, I, I believe you were at practice uh, and the Nick Saban press conference. So why don't you kind of bring our listeners here on Bama's Radio up to speed about what's going on in Tuscaloosa today, please, sir. What's going on in Tuscaloosa, guys? Uh, Coach Saban continuing to intensify or emphasize the protecting the football mantra. Got a chance to see Cooper Bateman actually take some first-team reps in drills, getting the ball out of his hands quickly. Uh, Jake Coker followed with him, and Alec Morris lined up behind the two of them, David Cornwell and Blake Barnett working with the scout team. Uh, um, Deontay Thompson and Derek Key, both of those guys wearing number one jerseys, kind of simulating Laquan Treadwell in practice. Uh, Dominic Jackson at right tackle, still getting work there at right tackle yesterday, it was more so Brandon Green getting first-team reps at right tackle for the offensive line. But today, Dominic Jackson assumed that role. And it's just saving trying to get the full use of consistency from where the offensive line is concerned, blocking well, pass blocking, as well as doing an exceptional job getting the holes created for Derrick Henry, Kenyon Drake, and others. And on defense, continuing to harp on forcing turnovers, playing the football, getting your head turned around to face the football as defensive back. Coach Mel Tucker wants to 
where he's always saying we're out here to get better. When you get better, we all get better. And getting better in the mindset of knowing where you are on the field when the ball is in the air. And that's his message to the secondary. Know where you are on the field. Know where your guy is. Play physical. When that receiver has his head turned, make sure your head's turned as well to face that football. And any insights from the uh, press conference from Coach Saban's night, Stephen? I was not actually at the uh, the press conference, but I'm pretty much so sure that, you know, Saban talked about wanting to see more consistency from Jake Coker and Cooper Bateman, more so Jake Coker. He's a guy that has all the physical tools that you ask for, but you want Saban really wants to see him take command, manage the system, manage the offense, get the ball into the hands of playmakers, and just play his game. Lock into a zone, block out the external factors, and just play his game. And, Stephen, uh, this is Drew DeArmond. Welcome back to BAMS, man. But uh, it's going to be a physical contest, no question about it. Um, They obviously need to get back to running downhill. They only did that for portions of the game against Middle Tennessee and had a lot of success. But if you remember, as I know you do, uh, last year, despite the fact that they didn't really commit to it, Alabama did have success running on Ole Miss. Uh, They ran for 170 yards. Uh, T.J. Yeldon and Derrick Henry both having success. And uh, right right now, I believe Ole Miss is uh, ranked around 59th nationally uh, in rushing defense. So uh, it's it's one of those things where uh, they where I think you know they're giving up. They they've given up you know 200 and or they, well they, 279 after losses. 279 yards in the two games. So they they've been able to be run on. They're giving up nearly 150 yards per game, and that's not against quality opponents. The key is going to be Alabama. This is going to be old school. They're going to have to win this thing controlling the line of scrimmage. I do think Alabama has the advantage when you're talking about O-line and D-line in this game. But, again, Ole Miss is very dangerous with their skill guys, especially at receiver. And you've already brought it up. The secondary is improved and more talented this year. But this is going to really test them. I know Cyrus Jones has played at a high level. Marlon Humphrey and Minka Fitzpatrick have had their moments and are improving, but uh, they are going to have to cut, really limit the big plays, and open field tackling is going to be huge in this game. Open field tackling is going to be very huge, and it's not just uh, Cyrus Jones, Minka Fitzpatrick, but also Eddie Jackson, who was very huge week one of the season against Wisconsin, saw Eddie Jackson not just play the run well, but when Joel Stabby would dump the ball into the plant, you saw Jackson wrap up, break down, make the tackle, and limit what could have been a 5- to 10-yard game to a 3- to 5-yard game. And that's what Saban wants. Keep the play in front of you, limit the big games, limit the yards after contact. And that's what Ole Miss thrives on with Laquan Treadwell, Evan Ingram, Cody Core, and others is making the catch, making a couple of guys miss, and getting the field. Alabama is able to break down, wrap up is going to be key. Just spinning this to the quarterback situation for just a moment, this is a statement resume game for both Chad Kelly and Jake Coker. Keep in mind, both guys started their career in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the ACC. Um, Chad Kelly started his at Clemson. Of course, Jake Coker at Florida State. And not many people get a third and fourth chance to really make a first impression. Both guys have. 
could could not get it done in one Power Five conference. They've made their way to another Power Five, being the SEC. And this is a chance for both guys to really take hold of this moment. A lot six state you know, for Ole Miss, a chance to really say we've arrived. Hugh Freeze has recruited well the first three years going into his fourth season, but this is a chance for Chad Kelly to prove I can achieve success as a junior college player. And now that I'm back in the Power Five Conference being the SEC, I have a chance to control my own destiny. Same for Jake Coker, a chance to provide him some confidence after waiting behind E.J. Manuel, Jameis Winston at Florida State, and uh, Blake Sims last year at Alabama. So this is a huge game for two former SEC, two former ACC quarterbacks. Will one of them have – which one will have the bigger moment as a part of the SEC this season? Well, Stephen, we appreciate your insight, and we hope that you can make it by the BAMS radio tent this Saturday. Uh, I've seen you some things talk about your tailgate family. We, we count ourselves as part of that. So try to come by and see us Saturday, and we look forward to that. And, again, ladies and gentlemen, that was Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, always with some interesting insights. And uh, so, you know, he made a good point there, and I had not thought about it until he said it. I guess I'm probably the last one to the party, but – it is an interesting matchup, Drew, of two former ACC QBs. Well, yeah, they were uh, at, at rivals, Clemson and Florida State. And if Chad Kelly hadn't had the meltdown in the spring game, he could easily be the starter there. Now, Jake Coker, you know, he's behind the Heisman winner, Jameis Winston. I personally don't think he ever would have been the QB at Florida State. I think that was overblown. I hate to say that about Alabama's current starter. Uh, I hope he has a solid year the rest of his senior year for the Crimson Tide, but you know, thus far, uh, the results have been okay, but I think, uh, and no, through no fault of his own, I think Jimbo Fisher actually put the onus on him, but, you know, there were some unrealistic expectations. Let's see what Lane Kiffin can do, and if Lane Kiffin is truly a wizard, and he really showed, uh, did a great job with Blake Sims last year, the game is going to be on Lane Kiffin. The play calling, the direction he takes the team, does he play to the team's strengths, and can he bring Jake Coker along or Cooper Bateman to win a big game over Ole Miss and get this team rolling uh, this year? And I think uh, Saturday is going to be huge, and this will ultimately it, it could begin to tell the tale of his two-year tenure at Alabama, and if it was a uh, you know if it's going to end uh, strongly, and uh, will he use this ultimately to springboard to a head coaching job? Oh yeah, he's he's got his work cut out for him because. Uh... He's got two inexperienced quarterbacks, neither of which has ever in live action faced the defense with the athletes like what they're going to face this Saturday. So game planning is crucial. Uh, he, he's, he's, and Thomas said this uh, earlier in the show. I'll echo it. Uh, running the ball is crucial. Uh, this needs to be a, a steadier dose of Derrick Henry than anybody has gotten since Derrick Henry's been at Alabama. And you said minimum 20 carries. I, I, it wouldn't bother me if he got 25. And then, of course, you know, Drake can get some carries too, but Drake is a guy that's probably, <laughs> not probably, Drake is a guy that is coming to this game with a chip on his shoulder, Drew. Yes, he has, Kerry. He's come, he, I know he's got to be hungry. Uh, he and O.J. Howard both, you know, Kenyon got hurt and uh, was really off to a great start, had been explosive against Florida, and that was sort of his coming out party. That you know, And then uh, what's interesting is, Kerry, uh, Dick Saban even said today that Alabama has not really tried to attack vertically yet. 
and I'm going to be interested to see how many shots they take against Ole Miss. Uh, if they go down the field, if they can get Drake matched up the way they want to, I do not think, despite the fact Ole Miss's secondary is is it has been a strength for them, that they have someone that can run with Ken. Uh, he should have a chance to make some big plays, and and uh, then of course uh, I I think he compliments Derrick Henry perfectly, and I agree with Thomas. Derrick Henry needs to be the hammer and the nail uh, to finish this game off, and then you might even see a little bit of Damian Harris who. Uh, really uh, flashed from ability last week. I mean, he won't get a lot of touches, but he had the big 41-yard run. And then, of course, on the uh, the egregious uh, Cooper Bateman interception, uh, what hustle he showed to, 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 to prevent a touchdown there, running the man down. Yeah, and, you know, this is a game that I think Marlon Humphrey has a chance to really make a name for himself, for those that don't know who he is. Of course, we've been talking about him on here since I've been on the show. But last year, uh, Ole Miss chose to and they successfully exploited Tony Brown. Uh, well, Tony Brown's not going to be out there much this week, uh, at least when the game's on the line, other than special teams. Marlon Humphrey is. And uh, with Cyrus Jones being one of the better cornerbacks in the conference, uh, you know, I feel like this is a chance, Drew, for Marlon to really step up and make a statement. Well, yeah, and I think uh, – uh, that Marlon has, you know, this could be his coming out party. I mean, he he's uh, had his moments in the first two weeks. I don't, he's made a he got a you know he got called for interference against Wisconsin, and uh, you know he's been picked on a little bit. But I feel like he's for the most part he's held up well for a redshirt freshman, and he's going to get challenged. It doesn't sound like Cyrus Jones is going to follow Laquan Treadwell everywhere, which means Marlon Humphrey will have a chance to play against him. He's a strong guy, and Laquan Treadwell is a big physical receiver. I mean, he could definitely turn some heads playing well against this Adebayo, uh obviously, uh, Cody Core, all these guys. Uh, they, the string fellow, they have some talent at Ole Miss. If Alabama can play really well and make Ole Miss earn every yard, this is, this secondary in its entirety can definitely prove that they're, they've gone from a weakness to a strength. It's going to be, you know, Ole Miss's secondary is getting a lot of play coming in, but Alabama's could make a big statement. Uh, the front seven is going to have to get some pressure. You know, we have a question about Reuben Foster and the job he's done this year. I think Reuben's played at a pretty good level. Uh, he got victimized a little bit in coverage against Wisconsin. Uh, you know, and he, he struggled at, at times against Middle Tennessee State, but I think he settled down. I don't think he's going to play a ton this week. Uh, I even expect, it's a guess on a hunch on my part, that we may see more of Dylan Lee because he can cover a little bit better. Uh, it's because – I don't. I, Ole Miss will try to run the ball, but I think they're going to, you know, run reverses, speed sweeps, uh, Chad Kelly direct runs, which you know Ruben could play a part in. But I think it's going to be more Reggie Ragland. Uh, but when Ruben's in there, I'm sure they're going to try to match him up and see if he can cover. But again, he's played better this year, but he still needs to get more consistent. Well, I want to touch on the uh, part of this question uh, from Play Like a Champion. Thanks, Champ. Um, Specifically, what are what are my expectations for Reuben Foster on Saturday? And that's really kind of a two-part question. The spot that the Alabama defense has had trouble, like if, if you look at both games, where has Alabama been vulnerable? It's been vulnerable on the tight end running back leaks, the stuff in the flat. There are a few ways to get around something like that, and one of them is to go into the dime package, which you might see because Ole Miss is going to throw a ton of wide receivers on the field. But if they choose to go, 
end of stay, if Alabama chooses to stay nickel, you're almost certainly going to have to cheat your linebackers to the flat, like towards the flat. Give them a couple of steps and have them fly uh, to the ball over there. The only way that works is if the front four can naturally get pressure on passing plays and stop the run on running plays. Otherwise, those linebackers have to stay home over the middle of the field or Ole Miss will continue, continuously be able to have success on that part of the field. That's, I want to see if the front four does their job, Reuben Foster can do his in terms of coverage. It's, it's a very complicated question, and it's not something that you can, you, you can answer just blanket. It's going to be a continuous process, and if Reuben Foster is able to do that, though, that puts him at the elite level of linebackers in college football. So, you know, just a bunch of, a bunch of chess pieces are going to be working around that, and Reuben Foster is just one key part. That's what I'll say in the answer to that question. I don't really think Reuben Foster has a gigantic role in pass coverage right now. I think Dylan Lee will be playing inside on, on and when we go to the nickel, that's that's where Dylan Lee is. He's inside, and uh, Reuben really, if they wanted to use him to his best expectation, would be to be a, a rabbit rusher on passing downs. But uh, they may work him in there a little bit. But uh, this is a game where, as Drew actually pointed out, the key is going to be stopping Evan Ingram's uh, the tight end, and Reuben can't do that. Uh, Dylan Lee can. And so I think you're going to see three snaps for Dylan Lee for every one you see for Ruben. Yeah, I don't think Ruben's role could, will be, you know, tremendous in this game. He'll he'll be in some on first and second down, but I think it'll be a lot of uh, Dylan Lee. And Dylan Lee really needs to – this needs to be a game where he, he starts making his contribution. Hasn't done a lot the first couple of weeks. He's going to be needed against this, against this group because Evan Ingram is the most talented tight end Alabama has seen thus far. And, Again, made some big plays vertically last year. Uh, they need to force Chad Kelly into some mistakes, heat him up. You know, hopefully uh, make get make him uh, you know get inside his head a little bit. He can be emotional, uh, kind of sometimes uh, see if he'll take some chances. Uh, and with this crowd, uh, and of course Alabama can be the twelfth man. The, the the electric atmosphere at Bryant Denny Stadium uh, make make them check off a lot make communication tough, and let's just see what happens. And then uh, Alabama needs to control the clock somewhat uh, with their offense and with Derrick Henry and, uh, and the backs and, and Kenyon Drake. And obviously, and, and, then, and then, you know, they need to take a couple shots vertically, but then, you know, uh, with the slants, with the, with the quick hitches, make the catches. you got to make catches, get some rack after the catch. Uh, they did a good job defending Amari Cooper last year. But Alabama, you know, has spread the ball out some. Uh, we've seen Ardarius Stewart make some plays. We've seen Robert Foster make some plays. It needs to continue. And then O.J. Howard, he did not have a good game last year. Really, he had one uh, 20-plus yard catch. He needs to make them pay. He's made the first two opponents pay. He's done a really good job against Wisconsin and Middle Tennessee State. And I think he'll have a chance to uh, maybe uh, atone for last year on Saturday. And I know he would really like to. Absolutely, and at this time, we're going to take our one and only break of the evening, and uh, then we'll come back and talk more about Alabama Ole Miss and some of the ramifications. We'll go over the participation chart from this past week's win over Middle Tennessee, and we'll hear an interesting debate about who has the best quarterback on the field this week. That and much more after we come back. You're listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the BAMS Sports Radio family. 
Drinking was forbidden in my Christian country home. I learned to play the flat top on them good old gospel songs. Then I heard about the bar rooms just across the Georgia line where a boy could make a living playing guitar late at night. And we're back on BAMS Radio. It's three minutes after the hour, wherever you're listening, if you're listening live. If not, we thank you for listening to the podcast. And I'm Kerry Clark, your co-host from BamaMag.com, joined as always by Drew DeArmond of 97.7 The Zone ESPN out of Huntsville. And back in the studio in Mobile, our port city of the state, Thomas Watts, the producer from Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Uh, Before we proceed any further, I wanted to give the participation chart. It's always been a tradition on BAMS Radio, and I totally forgot to do it after the Wisconsin game, but we're going to get back to doing that regularly now. And uh, Alabama, in the 37-10 win over Middle Tennessee, was able to play 67 guys. That's always great for team morale. Uh, Your starters for Alabama, uh, first on the offensive line, Cam Robinson, Ross Pierschbacher, Ryan Kelly, uh, Shank Taylor, and Dom Jackson. Uh, Tight end was O.J. Howard, quarterback Jake Coker, running back Derrick Henry, and the receivers were Ardarius Stewart, Rob Foster, and the tight end, Dakota Ball. Defensively up front, Sean Robinson, Jaron Reed, and Jonathan Allen. Linebackers, Denzel Duvall at the jack. Uh, the star was Mika Fitzpatrick. Uh, the Mike linebacker, Reggie Ragwin. Ruben Foster was the will. And in the secondary, Cyrus Jones, Marlon Humphrey, Eddie Jackson, and Gino Matias Smith, as he is now being known. Off the bench, the tide went with Chris Black, uh, Ronnie Harrison, who had a big punt block, Bradley Sylvie, uh, Christian Miller, Calvin Ridley, who's starting to flash more, Dalen Charlotte, who lost his red shirt uh, by design, Ronnie Clark at running back, his first action for the Tide, Hootie Jones, Tony Brown, Cam Sims, who became a father this week. Congrats to him. Uh, Deron Payne, Deshaun Hand, Alec Morris got some mop-up time. J.K. Scott improved a bit. Richard Mullaney continues to flash for Alabama, even on punt returns, not just as a receiver. Kenyon Drake, Cooper Bateman, uh, Sean John Hamilton, Maurice Smith, Damian Harris had a big run, 41-yarder. Johnny Dwight at tight end, his first action for the Tide. Keith Holcomb, Mike Nicewander almost had a touchdown on Harrison's block punt, but it squirted out of the end zone before he could corral it. Still got a safety on it. Dalvin Thomason, who's playing great this year. Cole Mazza, who hasn't been as consistent as usual with the snapping. Tim Williams, DJ Petway, Brandon Green, Dallas Wormack. J.C. Hassenauer, uh, Lester Cotton, backup left tackle, Josh Frazier, Bradley Bozeman, Derek Keefe saw some action. I believe that was his first time in the field. Uh, Ty Flournoy Smith, who I got a close-up on his long catch. I had to back up a little bit to not get uh, broken in half. Hale Hentges uh, played for the second straight game at tight end and H-back. Uh, Parker Baranov did the same at receiver. Darren Lake and Adam Griffith, 67 guys got in. That was great for morale, and that was more than played against Wisconsin. Uh, so we will not be joined tonight uh, because something came up for Big Head Chuck Peak. But I do want everyone to know who has a chance to come by the BAMS Radio tent this Saturday that Chuck will be having Big Head's barbecue and all the fixings and side items that he that he does such a great job on as our food on display. And he'll have his triple threat, which is a piece of pork uh, wrapped in bacon, drizzled with his sauce. And uh, you just you, you really can't uh, you can't you can't beat the triple threat. It's just awesome. And he also had pork and chicken and who knows, who knows what else, uh, baked beans, coleslaw, all kind of stuff. So Big Heads Chuck Barbecue is not only a sponsor of our call-in hotline, 
but is also the sponsor of the Food at the Bams Radio Tent, and he'll be doing that as well. Now, at this time, we are going to go to a debate about the Alabama Ole Miss quarterback situation, but I'm going to let Thomas Watts introduce this uh, pre-recorded debate because he was a key participant. Absolutely. Thanks, Kerry. Uh, this is a debate that the V Sporto Network, Bama Sports Radio, put on with Rebel Sports Radio, and it's between myself and a guy that works for Rebel Sports Radio named Ben Garrett. We discuss the ins and outs of the quarterback position, and in the end, who we would take. So it's about 15 minutes long, so stick around and you'll get a little, you'll get a real solid drill down on what to expect from both Jake Coker and Chad Kelly come Saturday. Here we go. What's good, everybody? Ben Garrett here representing Rebel Sports Radio. Thomas Watts on the other end representing Bama Sports Radio for a little debate action. Ole Miss and Alabama coming up on Saturday at 8.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. College Game Game Day will be there. And so will Jacob Coker and uh, one Chad Kelly, the respective quarterbacks for Ole Miss and Alabama. Uh, Thomas, what's good, man? How you doing? And before we get into this and I beat your butt on this debate, uh, what's, what's going on with you, man? Oh, not too much. Uh, I'm not sure that you're you're really ready for this uh, debate thing. I, 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 you didn't know this, but I was considered the best debater in the state in high school. So I'm, you're hearkening me back a few years ago. But everything's good, Ben. I'm ready to beat you down, kind of like what Alabama's going to do come Saturday. But anyway. I, I appreciate uh, the, the enthusiasm. What's funny is that you and I are, are, are friendly and, and we've known each other for a little while now. And we're trying to act like we're talking crap, and we're not very good at it. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It, it, let's, let's call it a mutual respect thing. <laughs> we'll call it mutual respect, and then we'll laugh at each other as we try to throw really, really lame barbs at one another for the next you know, 10, 15 minutes. Sounds um, like a plan. A, a big game coming up, one that could go a long way potentially in uh, settling the SEC West. Um, and it could very well come, da- come down to quarterback play. Uh, you look at both teams, very even teams, very similar teams. Uh, defensively both very strong, defensive fronts among the best in the country. The unknown, really, with both of these teams is the quarterbacks. And through two games, Ole Miss has got one of the hotter quarterbacks in the country in Chad Kelly, while Alabama is still trying to figure some things out with Jake Coker and Cooper Bateman. Um, before we get really get into it, make your case to why Jake Coker is the quarterback you would rather have going into Saturday. Well, for me, it's not just having Jake Coker. Jake Coker can play well in the system if Alabama is willing to use power running to kind of free Jake Coker up. He he's held in that system against Wisconsin. Yes, Ole Miss's defense is better than the Wisconsin Badgers. But one of the storylines that has confused me this week as I've read some of my colleagues is this is the first defense Alabama's seen. It's not like Wisconsin was a bunch of pushovers. So for my money – Give me Jake Coker being able to rifle the ball around on intermediate pass routes to push the defense back after Alabama has set up power running. I've been sitting in the press box for UT Martin and then for Fresno State, and I've seen with Chad Kelly a a dimension for Ole Miss offensively offensively it hasn't had in three years, and that's three years with a productive quarterback in Bo Wallace, and that's a vertical passing game. Um, Through two games, he's completed – 29 of his 40 pass attempts for 557 yards, six touchdowns, and the interception he threw wasn't even his fault. It was a ball that hit Laquan Treadwell, almost his star wide receiver, in the chest, and he basically popped it into the hands uh, of a UT Martin defender. Um, but the biggest thing that impresses me about Chad is his touch on the deep ball, 
the tempo in which uh, Ole Miss can go when he's in the game, and the fact that he scored seven touchdowns and seven drives against Fresno last week. I mean, here's a guy who understands uh, what Ole Miss wants to do, the pace at which he wants to play. And if I wanted a, a player in this game, a quarterback in this game, I'd want Chad Kelly. And the reason why, more than anything else, is that points could very well be hard to come by, and the, the what, what you need to kind of get ahead of the other per, of the other team uh, is those explosive plays. That's what will separate. Uh, which team doesn't allow many? Which team pops a couple? Will it go a long way in determining this game? And I think Chad Kelly's the one that has a more has more is more adept to do it. I guess you could say. Well, certainly, Jake Coker's deep ball hasn't been his strength. It's been all over the place. But you know, to knock your boy real fast, I have to ask from an outsider's point of view: Are you nervous? when Alabama's defense inevitably punches Chad Kelly in the mouth because it's going to happen. Alabama's defense is too good not to take a couple of shots and make a couple of plays. Are you nervous about his mental state? Because historically, Chad Kelly, whenever something bad has happened, going back to Clemson in that crazy spring game scenario, has kind of folded like a cheap tent. Can you, having been in the press box and having interacted with the young man as a member of the press, can you give us, give me, as an outsider, any insight on that kind of situation? Because that's where, looking at the two, I think Jake Coker might have a little mental edge. I think he's uh, acquitted himself well to and, and acclimated and, and really ingrained himself in the culture at Ole Miss very well. He's saying the right things, he's doing the right things, and he's performing. Um, you know, if we could all be judged on our worst days, uh, you know, not a lot of us would have a chance of doing anything. And Chad Kelly had some really bad days, Clemson, East Mississippi. But now he, he's stayed on the straight and narrow. Now, how long would that last? I don't know. Uh, but he's been asked about it enough. Uh, Hugh Freeze has been asked about it enough. Uh, but if you ask around and you watch, he's done nothing but be exactly what, what Ole Miss has needed him to be, and that's a um, good face for the program so far, uh, an emerging talent and a dominant talent. So – in terms of – I look at it as I don't care what any person does off the field, you know, so long as it's within reason and uh, they perform on Saturdays. Because let's all be honest here, this is college football. This isn't church. So to pretend like uh, we need these kids to act like saints and then go perform like heroes, it's just it's just silly to me. Um, Chad Kelly has been a dominant quarterback, one of the hottest in the country. Leads the I mean, leads the country in uh, in quarterback efficiency. Let's not pretend that he's not a hot quarterback going into this thing. And like I said, because both defenses are so good, points are going to be at a premium. And what's been been in Chad's favor and Ole Miss's favor is that they've hit on big plays. Last week against Fresno State, granted it's not Alabama, but Fresno they connected on passing plays of fifty something yards, forty four yards, and sixteen yards in touchdown throws. I mean, they're getting the ball down the field. Bo Wallace couldn't even do that. I mean, all last year, Ole Miss had to dink and dunk simply because Bo Wallace's throwing shoulder had nothing left in it. Uh, but Chad has got that part of his game. And when I look at Alabama, I see a dominant front seven, but I see a back, uh, you know, a, a defensive backfield that could potentially uh, have some shots taken against it. I'm not saying there are not a ton of great athletes back there, but in terms of the strength of their defense, it's in the front, not in the back. Certainly. When I look at Ole Miss's defense, you know, tete-a-tete with Jake Coker, I'm curious because obviously last year Alabama with starting center Ryan Kelly getting hurt early in that game. They were still able to mash pretty well, and they, they ran up, I believe, 170 rushing yards against that Ole Miss front. I would argue that Alabama's running game is better this year. Uh, Alabama has gone from a lot of zone-blocking concepts to a lot of straight power sets. 
And essentially what that means is Alabama is sending 500, an extra 500 pounds of beef through a hole and then following up with Derrick Henry. And that's really where I think if Alabama can do that, it's going to take a lot of pressure off Jake Coker. I, I will absolutely agree with you that right now Chad Kelly is the hotter quarterback. Chad Kelly does exactly what Ole Miss needs him to do. But what Jake Coker can do is be that guy to provide enough balance such that Ole Miss can't throw eight guys in the box. He's got a bu- Obviously, Ole Miss's ta- wide receiver core is very talented, but it's not like Alabama's a bunch of pushovers either. And a guy that's really emerging that could help Jake Coker immensely is that O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard, the tight end for Alabama, 6'6", 240. He's finally becoming the guy that when he was recruited as a five-star, do-all-everything, awesome athlete, is starting to really make plays and be a matchup nightmare. It's not, it's not so much that Jake Coker is going to outperform Chad Kelly. I don't think he's going to have to. I think, I think that Alabama will do things differently. But he certainly has all the tools, and on several occasions, particularly on the intermediate stuff and the short stuff, Jake Coker has been excellent. Can you certainly criticize the young man for potentially delivering deep balls late? Absolutely. His deep ball, like I said, is a work in progress. But Alabama doesn't need chunk plays. Alabama is going to want to play the let's grind out seven-minute, 16-play drives that just maul Ole Miss's defense. And that Jake Coker can do that. What's up? Go ahead. See, I I don't think that Alabama will be able to grind out those type of drives against this defense. I mean – We've got to remember here that Ole Miss last year had the number one scoring defense in the country. They returned virtually everybody this year. What Ole Miss is going to do defensively is uh, do a defensive line, go with their big defensive line, which is Robert Kimdichie at defensive end, Breland Speaks, uh, and one of Woodrow Hamilton and DJ Jones at nose tackle, and then um, Fadal Brown at the other defensive end. And they're going to stack that box and dare Jake Coker to beat their cornerbacks one-on-one. And Ole Miss has a lot of confidence in guys like Tony Bridges, and in Kendarius Webster and T. Shepard, who will be out for the first half because of a targeting penalty against Fresno State. They have a real belief that those guys can go one-on-one because Alabama doesn't have Amari Cooper anymore. It doesn't have Julio Jones anymore. Now, Chris Black's talented, so is Rob Foster, but they're going to have to see it to believe it and make Jake Coker make throws. So while the short and intermediate stuff, he's been successful at it, they're going to try to eliminate that completely. So the question is, how on time can Jake Coker be when plays are available in the deep passing game? I don't know if it's going to be there for him. Well, it, you know, I know I'm supposed to be taking Jake Coker's side, but I'm being realistic here. The deep passing game is not Jake Coker's thing. Will, at least through two games, will Alabama take a couple of shots? Probably. I mean, Jake Coker has an arm that can get the ball 60 yards. It's just that none of his stuff has been on time so far. But, I understand what you're saying with the Ole Miss defensive line, and it was certainly excellent, and it is excellent this year. But if Ole Miss goes big, Alabama's just going to start doing zone sweeps away from the beef with Kenyon Drake. See, that's, one, I, that, that's really an X factor because last year uh, in Ole Miss's upset win, though Ole Miss is a better team this year than it was last year, um, Kenyon Drake went down pretty early in that game. And you take away that dynamic one-two punch of Derrick Henry and, and, and Kenyon Drake, man, uh, that that makes Alabama. I don't want to say one dimensional because I don't think Alabama is ever one dimensional. But it may it, it definitely uh, stings because he's such a dynamic playmaker. So in that respect, I think you're right on. Kenyon Drake's a real you know uh, X factor in this whole game. Certainly, and he's obviously motivated not because he hates Ole Miss. That's silly. But he's motivated because this is the game that lost him his season, 
and I, I think he'll come out and perform well. I'll be interested to see how the Landshark defense reacts to the what amounts to a modified jet sweep play that Kenyon Drake has burned both Wisconsin and Middle Tennessee on for big yardage. But at the end of the day, if Jake Coker can find some success on the short and intermediate stuff, I would argue that's all. Okay, that was a portion of the debate, most of it, between uh, Thomas Watts and uh, I believe his name was Ben Garrett. Uh, well, Thomas Watts fared about like the guy with his same hair color did on TV tonight. But anyway, uh, that doesn't really matter if Jake Coker can, can, <laughs> can do what he needs to do uh, Saturday night. Uh, Jake Coker is the X factor. Kenyon Drake, of course, is going to be pissed off because of what happened to him last year in Oxford and uh, getting kicked in the head afterwards by Trey Elston was even worse. So Kenyon Drake is going to have a gigantic chip on his shoulder this Saturday night. And Jake Coker's got a lot to prove. Adam Griffith's got a lot to prove. Uh, there's, there's, there's a, uh, It's not just an X factor. There's an A to Z factor in this game. And it's a game that could go either way. And uh, Drew DeArmond, if, if you're Kenyon Drake right now, what's going through your mind? Uh, I just hope he can be calm. You know, he was a little bit over anxious against Wisconsin and admitted he tried to score a touchdown, win the Heisman every play. Just know that you you know you were blessed to be back. Uh, you know you're healthy, and just let the game come to you. I'm sure Lane Kiffin is going to scheme ways to get him the football. He's the best athlete on the field regardless of each side. Obviously, Ole Miss, if Laramie Tunsil were in the lineup and didn't have Dunlop tires on his vehicles, you know, he, he would uh, he, he would be a first-round draft pick, probably a top-ten pick. Laquan Treadwell, a first-round pick. Robert Kim Dietze has first-round ability. Uh, Antonio Connor. But all that said, I still think he's the best athlete on the field. Let it come to you. And uh, just make plays. Uh, play off Derrick Henry, Thunder and Lightning, and uh, just make Jake Coker's job easier. Uh, but I think, you know, obviously Kenyon hasn't had his breakout game yet, but he's still averaging around 12 yards per touch. And he can make some big plays in this game. And maybe this will be the evening that uh, he finally makes a big play via the kicking game. Oh, that's quite possible. I mean, he's a threat to take to the house every time he gets it in his hands. And when you get a run to start like he does on kickoffs, yeah, that's a very, very, very good possibility. I tell you, I touched on this earlier, Drew, but were you as impressed as I was uh, by the ability that Richard Mullaney showed on punt returns and we thought he was back there just to make fair catches, and he did quite a bit more than that? Oh, absolutely. I had heard rumors that he was behind, uh, had taken over for Chris Black behind um, Tyrus Jones and that he had shown ability and, He's a really good football player, guys. I mean, he's someone I think they can play in the NFL. Uh, they haven't targeted him too much. He's only got three catches in two weeks. He's somebody that Ole Miss really I don't think is game plan for at all and could be a matchup nightmare for the Rebels. And I look for 16, maybe to have his first big game, which would mean four or five catches. You know, Jake Coker seems to be comfortable with him, comfortable with O.J. Howard. Uh, and just, again, if Jake Coker can manage the game, and go through his progressions and not, you know, turn the football over. Just, you know, be solid. Be the John Parker Wilson uh, with uh, and let and let uh, Chad Kelly be Matt Stafford. Then I think Alabama can win this football game. Oh, I, I agree. They can win. And I think I think Alabama 
should win. And, and you know, like I said, Ole Miss is not the same offense without Tunsil and with Alabama having the best front seven in the country and you not having your All-American left tackle. And, and quite frankly, Alabama's left tackle is not that far behind Laramie Tunsil, and he is playing in Cam Robinson. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me to see a ton of runs behind Cam Robinson this week, Drew. I agree, Kerry. Uh, that could easily happen. But I do think, uh, you know, the whole offensive line, I think Dominic Jackson realizes he didn't play well last week. Uh, he's going to want to come back and play better. Um, you know, O.J. Howard has done a better job of blocking. But, yeah, I, I can see them running over the left side, using Ron Kelly as well. And uh, they had a lot of success running over the left side last year in Oxford, Mississippi, and I think they're going to want to do that. Uh, Saturday night against the Rebels. And uh, to be honest, because I think they want to start quickly, if Alabama wins the toss, I I fully expect them to take the ball. Oh, absolutely. What Dominic Jackson has to do, uh, to to coin a phrase, this is a CC Bama original, what Dominic Jackson has to do is he has to continue to be like DJ Fluker on the run, and he needs to stop being Chris Capps on the pass. Well, and – William Barger, I talked to him this afternoon. He made a great point. How many sacks did DJ Fluker give up his junior year against Western Kentucky? I don't know, two? Three, four. Yeah, a whole bunch. I remember that game. Yeah, it was that's awful. right. I forgot about that. You know, Jalston Fowler got hurt that game. Uh, it really put me down in the dumps because he had played so well against Michigan. But our O-line struggled. Everybody wanted to fire, you know, Jeff Stoutland after that game and thought our O-line wasn't very good. They went on to be one of the best in the SEC, and a lot of people are lauding the Rebels. You know, I've heard talk this week, uh, coming from Oxford, had a friend call me yesterday. They're a pretty cocky group. They think it's going to be a 17- to 21-point game and that Ole Miss is going to win the national championship. Uh, obviously, insane. Obviously, uh, they, they, they probably have been watching a lot of Johnny Vaught highlights or something and Archie Manning running around because that's basically – uh, and really before Archie's the last time they were a national championship contender. But hopefully they're fixing to run into a brick wall Saturday and uh, get a reality check and uh, continue to make plans to go back to the Peach Bowl or something. So we'll see what happens. Uh, they have improved. You Freeze has uh, increased their talent level and done a nice job coaching and has had some continuity in his coaching staff. But this is Alabama. You know, Alabama's going to have them in their backyard. Uh, Chris Felica of College Game Day is, is is basically picking the Rebels, I think, because he says Alabama under Saban at home has in big games has got a spotty track record. But I think Alabama they had they haven't done a lot of talking this week, but I think the players have had this one circled for a while. Okay, I have to jump in and just just ask, how does Alabama have a spotty track record at home? Is that based off of the? It's based off LSU in 2011. Okay, that that's what I was about to ask because that was the last game Alabama's lost at home. No, no, A and M's last and Texas A and M, A and M, that one. Yeah, they 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 he's he's talked about when Alabama's a solid favorite in a big game. You know that they've had. Uh, on on the road, they've been pretty good, but, you know, at home they've had some they, – uh, I think the last three home games, he said they've dropped in, uh, with the, uh, as far as ranked opponents But in, in what is considered a big statement game. But, again, uh, it's going to be interesting because this Ole Miss team, uh, you don't really know how good they are yet. Maybe they are that good, but, you know, they uh, they haven't played anyone. Alabama has, and – Let's not forget, you know, uh, Wisconsin's very solid. They went, uh, you know, they they played Miami of Ohio last week and won fifty-eight to nothing. 
while the school on the other side of the state's a big win over the Louisville Cardinals, who were going to win this ACC, according to the the barn, uh, lost to Houston. So um, I think we figured out that Auburn is not as good a football team as everybody thought. Now, could they solve some of their problems in red stick and play the game of their lives? It's always possible. But when you're Rudy Ford and you come out and say it's not going to be much of a problem stopping Leonard Fournette, I think somebody needs to lock you in a room and tape your mouth shut. This is a game, in my opinion, that uh, – I don't know if this is like Mr. Understatement here, uh, Captain Obvious, whatever you call it. But this is a game, to me, where the crowd can just play a gigantic role. Uh, it's an 8-15 kickoff, so a lot of the people in attendance uh, will be lathered up pretty good by then. Drew, I'm not sure the people at your main tailgate will even be awake at halftime, but if they are, they need to be loud uh, it, it's a game where the crowd can cause penalties for the visiting team, uh, offsides, that kind of thing, illegal formation, what have you. Uh, just talk a little bit about how the, the crowd could actually be the difference in this game. Well, I, you know, they could play a, a big factor, you know, in, in being able to hear them, hear, communicate, check off, just have a raucous environment, uh, you know, like it was in the 2013 LSU game, especially in that second half where the stadium was actually moving. I mean, that was just one of the best atmospheres I've ever been in. Remember, that game was tied in the third quarter, and then Alabama just really took control. And I think that's what Alabama needs to do against this Ole Miss team. They need to take control on the ground in the running game. Uh, the crowd needs to continue to keep the team energized. And, uh, and uh, you know, when, and when Alabama's on the field defensively, make it nearly impossible for, uh, you know, Chad Kelly to hear. And then just for, Alabama needs to force two or three turnovers in this game. They need to see – I want to see how Ole Miss reacts when everything isn't going well. You know, are they are they front runners or, or do they have backbone? Can they have a gut check and uh, be a truly great football team and answer the bell? I mean, no, we haven't seen that yet. Uh, it's just basically are you a paper champion or are you a true championship contender? And, uh, well, and this is what will be proven on Saturday. I mean, obviously – in their history, they thought they were a championship contender two years ago. They lost 25 to nothing and uh, kind of went into tailspin. Last year, they won the game and used it to springboard to get ranked number two in the country. Of course, they didn't finish really strong except for the Egg Bowl, uh, but they still had a solid season. Now they think they're going to take the next step to being a championship contender, and they want to come, you know, and tug on Superman's cape a little bit, a little bit, and see, you know, give them and see where they are. Well, you know, Alabama's been there before. They're used to these big games. They're used to game day. Let's see if Ole Miss can handle the hype. Auburn is not. Uh, just to, uh, let me jump in. Um, as reported by Chris Lowe 45 minutes ago, and I'm just going to read the headline, Ole Miss, could, Ole Miss could miss Laramie Tunsil several more games during probe. So it's really beginning to look more and more like he will not play for the Rebels. So just, just he's not going to play. I'm just saying that's breaking news. It just came out on Twitter here in the very recent past. I mean, I, I was told earlier this week uh, by good friend Brent Beard, who will be on my show tomorrow, kind of previewing the Florida-Kentucky game and talking SEC. He's had two sources tell him that Tunsil will not play. And as we had David Brand on the show earlier, Hugh Freeze and the AD, uh, Ross Bjork, they're not optimistic. Laramie Tunsil will not be playing. Uh, he's, uh, you know – it's a well-documented. The NCAA has been looking into his situation, and I expect it to at least be a four-game penalty. 
Okay, well, uh, we do have another caller on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline. Again, check them out on the Internet at BigHeadsBBQ.net and come by the BAMS Radio Tent in front of Moore Hall just across from the quad and try out that triple threat, which uh, didn't give the full description earlier. The triple threat is a piece of pork with a tiny piece of sausage in the middle wrapped in bacon, and then you drizzle it with Chuck's uh, homemade barbecue sauce. Uh, but come by the Vams Radio Ten and say hello to those of us who will be there. And one guy who I hope can make it down there, our weekly caller from Greenville, Alabama, and uh, another guy from Greenville will be at the game as well, Marlon Davidson, as a visitor. Even though he's an Auburn commitment, he's going to come hang out with, with Ben Davis and Mac Wilson. But let me go ahead and bring on a little older guy from Greenville, Colin Big C. McGuire, former manager of the Crimson Tide, got a 1979 national championship ring. Big C, what's up with you tonight, man? Oh, y'all are. What's going on? Excuse me. Just, what's going I mean, on, Big C? Good to hear well, from you. Thank you, Drew. Nice talking to you. And, hey, uh, hey, Kerry, I'm, I'm all of a sudden gone brain dead. But anyway, uh, we've just uh, been doing some preparation work for talking Bama with Big C show tomorrow on com and there's all kind of interesting history about the Alabama Ole Miss series, um, and I don't want to give anything away. Uh, you got to watch it tomorrow morning uh, live or go to the archive and uh, subscribe eight ninety nine a year for that. But anyway, um, I've been doing a lot of studying up on this game. Uh, it is. In- I do think that's one thing that's very interesting that uh, Ole Miss, as they said, is the first team in SEC history to score seventy points back to back in a game ever in SEC history. But I know the competition's a little on the compared to what they're going to be going up against uh, Saturday's a little different. Um, have y'all seen any film on Chad Kelly? I know he was uh, he was bombing it pretty good last year uh, on the junior college level down over in Mississippi at East Mississippi Community College. And Big C, I did see a little bit of it. Uh, he led them to the national championship. Uh, when he went to when he came to Clemson, he was recruited by Alabama both in high school and a little bit out of junior college. He did visit Alabama. Uh, he's a dual threat guy, a very talented arm as far as arm talent, much stronger arm uh, than Bo Wallace. Uh, you know, he's a guy that can throw the ball vertically. He's going to test Alabama's secondary, uh, but he's also a guy that's very hot headed, very emotional. Kind of like Johnny Manziel a little bit. I mean, the Ole Miss fans seem to think he is Johnny Manziel. I don't think he's you know that mobile and that dynamic, but I do think he's very talented. Uh, it's going to be a challenge uh, for Alabama, but I'm going to be very interested to see if they can confuse Chad Kelly and give him some looks he hasn't seen, and uh, if they can uh, you know just they're going to make some plays. But uh, one thing we haven't really talked about is. It's going to be huge. Alabama, Ole Miss will move the ball some, but they need to be really play really tough in the red zone, make them kick field goals, you know, and uh, and frustrate Chad Kelly some. And if they can do that and keep the score down, I think Alabama can wear Ole Miss down and take control in the second half. Well, I think so. I, I, I got a question for you. All right, ask me. I got a question for you. Uh, you're a pretty well known. Alabama football historian, and this game this weekend is on national TV, cable TV anyway, and it's at night. But I wanted to ask you, to, uh, for the benefit of our listeners, to turn the clock back to 1969 in the first ever 
nighttime nationally televised college football game at Legion Field in Birmingham between Alabama and Ole Miss. It was a shootout for the ages. Uh, I know you weren't, but about 12 or 13 at the time. But what do you remember about that ball game, Big C? You really want me to tell? I got to tell you a wild tale. All right. Go. I didn't get Do you know this story? Or, or, or do you know what I'm about to tell you? Or do you have any idea? A little bit, but I want you to tell everybody. All right. What the deal was, I was 12 years old. My sister was 10. And the deal was, my mom and daddy, what they would do on weekends, one every four weeks, somebody would come over to our house, but every other, every Saturday night, they'd go to somebody's house to eat steak, and then on the fourth week, they'd come to our house to eat steak on Saturday night, you know, eating steak and all that. Well, that particular night, they decided to go, it was somebody else's turn, so they went over to this person's house. And they, I think I understood that the game started about 8.30 that night. I didn't know that. But the main thing was I wanted to watch it. Well, the deal was the guy that was my best friend had an older sister. She was 15 years old. And what happened was she and the sister took fine? over the cell. She looked all right. She didn't look that bad. And I, I'll tell you some stuff later on. I don't want to say on the radio. I'll tell you some stories. <laughs> I'll tell you something later about her, later on, but she didn't look that bad. I mean, she's nice looking. But anyway, to make a long story short, the only thing I got to see of that game was a when it was 14 to 14 during a commercial break. What happened was there was a movie called Arab Quest with Gregory Peck and Sophia Loren, and every time I see that movie, I think about that night. But one interesting thing, this is the truth what I'm about to tell y'all, they had a it was during the during the break. We turned it over there to see something going on. They were showing a replay of a pass play. And a guy named Floyd Franks or Ole Miss, they threw a pass, and I don't know if he caught it or not. I just remember seeing his name on the screen. And about 40, let me, let me think, about 30, let me think, 33 years later, somewhere about 32 years later, he ends up moving to Birmingham, talking about Floyd Franks. It was one of Archie's best receivers. I ended up a guy named Jack McEwen played for Alabama, and they worked. For, he was the office. I mean, the resident manager is what they, his title was for New York Life there in Birmingham. And one day, I ended up getting to meet him and ate lunch and talked about him. And I told him that story about what happened that night. But he told me they had to wait till 8.30 that night to kick off because Lawrence Welk was on that night. and He had a contract where they could not preempt his show. So they had to – but anyway, I didn't get to see the game and the next morning when I woke up, my mama told me it was a good game and Alabama won 33-32. to 32 And that was – and Archie Manning had the um, – I think he set the record from the total offense. And what they gained – they were like Auburn was last year. They gained 609 yards on Alabama but lost. But he was still named national back of the week. And Alabama was quarterbacked by a guy named Scott Hunter who uh, went on to play for the Green Bay Packers and then become a, a TV sportscaster down in Mobile. But that wasn't one of Alabama's uh, best teams. I think they might have gone 6-5 and five that year. Uh, they, they didn't did. have a great defense. And Scott Hunter didn't win a lot of big games. And if really, you know, if you had said to somebody, uh, Scott Hunter is going to beat Archie Manning in this game, 
you probably wouldn't have had a lot of believers, but he went out there and did it, Big C. He did it that night. They um, threw a touchdown pass near the end of the game to a fellow by the name of George Ranniger, who was a native of Meridian, Mississippi, whose cousin was David Bailey, if you remember that name. It was the other wide receiver that on that team who was from a local community called Bailey, Mississippi. And but George Ranniger beat them. And then they, well, I, I've seen highlights of that game. And one play, they lined up, I believe it not, in the wishbone, and they pitched the ball out to Ranager on a pitch out, and he went 67 yards on a run that night. And maybe they should have tried to use that a little more that year because they didn't, and they, despite having Johnny Musso, they didn't have a real good running attack that year. They were locked, they did a lot of passing, and the defense just wasn't that good. So you had your own version of uh, the NFL Heidi game that got preempted by that when uh, the Raiders were playing and got preempted by the movie Heidi. You had your own version of that that night in Green. Yeah, yeah. Ab Quest with Gregory Peck and Sophia Lauren. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, thank you for sharing that. Have you got any more questions for Drew and Thomas and I? Well, um, I'm trying to think what the real quick about. Um, I know Ole Miss has run up a lot of numbers, but really what kind of – I mean, I know they got a team, a team you can't take them lightly, but where's um, Fresno State from a defensive standpoint uh, nationally, or do y'all know? Fresno State's barely a top 100 FBS program this year. It's they're not right a good team. They're right ahead of Greenville High and Fort Dale Academy. Exactly. Yeah, well, <laughs> what I would say, Big C, is I'd say that uh, – Middle Tennessee State and Wisconsin are better than both the football teams that Ole Miss has played. Oh, yeah, oh, I agree with that. Easily. Mm-hmm. Even Middle mm-hmm. Tennessee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, I know Middle Tennessee would kill Tennessee Martin, and they, they probably would beat, beat Fresno State pretty good. So, But anyway, we'll just, it's going to be interesting to see. I will be up there. Uh, nice. Y'all, y'all but uh, maybe I'll get lucky and run into y'all. I hope I do, but we'll be there. And uh, I, I'm expect, uh, I got to believe the crowd will be into it. And I got to believe with Alabama losing to them last year, they're going to be a, want to sort of have a payback for last year. Oh, I, I think in some this. ways. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, man. Well, no, I said but I don't think there's any doubt they're going to be ready for revenge, Big C. And uh, I think, uh, you know, and it's not they're not playing it up, but they remember what happened last year, and they remember the goalpost being torn down. And, and it, it had been 10 years. Alabama had won 10 in a row over Ole Miss. The last time they had lost was the Mike Shula era, um, Eli Manning in 2003. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and uh, they were routed, I believe it was 43-28 uh, by That's Ole Miss in Oxford. And it was, a, it was just a one-sided contest. And, Last year was a knockdown dragout fight. I think this one will be too. And uh, Alabama's, uh, I think they have the talent to come out on top. It's just going to come down to, you know, Lane Kiffin and his play calling and the direction of the offense. And then can he get a good performance out of Jake Coker? And can uh, they find some way to get some production out of the place kicker? Well, I hope it don't come down to that. Maybe it will. I don't know. Um, but um, I got one question for you, Big C, though. You're down there, and I know Greenville's got a lot of Auburn fans down there. What has been their take after you know, that? Really, should they should have lost to Jacksonville State? But what is the what are their expectations in the field for the uh, the challenge in uh, in Baton Rouge? 
Well, you know what? I, I'm glad I I don't get out as much as I should. But the thing is, I do a poo. Uh, I do a right. I'm a co-host of a radio sport store high school school board show on Friday nights, and I got the um, we turn in the pick, our picks, you know, today. And like you know, the the game you got to pick is, is all right. LSU is a six and a half point favorite, and the total points. And uh, the thing that amazed me, you got most of them picking. I mean, it's like I wish I had it right on me, but it's like. Say, uh, I'm saying this right. Say there's 20 people, and it's like 12 to 8 picking Auburn over LSU or something like that, or 13 to 7. So it sounds like to me they still think they got a chance of winning. I mean, that's what it seems like to me from by looking at that. Then they're stupid. Well, very interesting. Uh, uh, they uh, obviously, I think it's going to be a. I would say it would be thirty to twenty. LSU would be my pick. I, I think Auburn will play a better game. But Carl Lawson was on uh, crutches as early as Monday, and I heard Gus Malzahn's Wednesday teleconference, and they asked him about Carl Lawson, and he said he's been out there. Translation: He's been watching. So will yeah. Carl Lawson play? Maybe so, but uh, if not, uh, it's going to be a big time test. And Auburn doesn't have a lot of depth defensively. And uh, as I predicted, John Chavis has had a bigger impact than Will Muschamp. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that game plays out on Saturday. Well, they had, a, they had an article that was real interesting that said that mobile quarterbacks is their kryptonite of Auburn defense is kryptonite. So, I don't know. You know, that, that quarterback, I know he's pretty mobile. They might be running a few read options against them. They said they're, they're the worst team in the country defending it right now is what the newspaper article said in the Montgomery Advertiser today. Yeah, that's accurate. That's true. Mm-hmm. But um, now I will say this, Tom, still got another minute to. Now, somebody, and I hope I don't curse this guy, but uh, this Foster guy looks like to me he's coming into his own. And then O.J. Howard played good last week. Now, no, we know what Kenan Drake can do. Oh, well, this is what I want to ask y'all. Do y'all think we could possibly see Kenan Drake being in the Wildcat or not? People keep talking about it, uh, and I'm glad they haven't done it the first two games. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, Big C. Uh, I, I guess it could happen. Uh but it's one of those things where we just be guessing. We we don't know. Uh, I personally think that when Bo Scarborough gets uh, eligible and starts playing the week of the Georgia game, I personally think that you're going to start seeing Kenyon Drake play more of an Amari Cooper role on this team. Mm. And that could happen. But I do think that Kenyon will will get you know ten to fifteen touches, probably closer to fifteen against Ole Miss. I think this could be the game where you see him catch seven or eight passes, uh, whether they be quick hitters over the middle, screens, and then, of course, I think they're finally going to take some vertical shots, try to get him singled up on a safety like Trey Elston or even some of the Ole Miss corners because I think he's a better athlete than anyone they have. It's just going to be up to Jake Coker to make the throws, uh, be accurate, Mm -hmm. throw the football. And, uh, you know, Jake was pretty good against Wisconsin. If they get that level of production and get out of him without the turnovers against Ole Miss, Alabama's going to win the football game. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
So Big C, has there been there. any movement at the top in your uh, grading college football poll? No, not right now. Alabama's still up there. You know, they got the most. Well, really, they is. I'm trying to think. Um, there's two teams that's got ten points, and I can't think right off the top of my head who is it, but they're teams that are ranked. Um, well, one of them is Oklahoma because they win over Tennessee. Now, I don't think they're the best team in the country, but they got the most points right now, them and somebody else. I'm trying to think who the other team was, but it was a big – who else won on the road that was in the top 25 like Oklahoma last week? I'm trying to think. Um, Notre Dame won on the road against Virginia, but Virginia wasn't yeah. ranked. Well, that's right. Okay, no, that's true. All right, I'm trying to think of somebody that – Played somebody. There was two ranked teams, and they played one out in the road team, one other than uh, than uh, Oklahoma. Now I didn't see that game, but I heard there was some. There was a bad move on the part of uh, Butch Jones, where they they should have went for it on fourth. That, did they kick a field goal where they should have could have gone for the touchdown, and that might have would have just put the game out of reach then. And what was the deal on that? Uh, I think the Tennessee game, Big C, was more – Tennessee had a big lead, and they went from trying to win the game to trying to not lose, and Oklahoma's and offense was was just good enough to take advantage of that slight opportunity to win the game. Uh-huh. So you're not really that impressed with Oklahoma, is what you say. Uh, they played well in an, a very hostile environment. Or Okay, they didn't play well. They played horribly for three and a half quarters, but they were able to win in a very hostile environment. But this sudden uh, push for Oklahoma to be the guys to dethrone Baylor and TCU in the Big 12, that oh, that yeah. needs to stop. That's silly right now. All, all, all it proved to Big mm-hmm. C was that Tennessee is not ready for prime time yet. Uh, yeah. beyond the, they, uh, they, they've improved, but... Uh, they they uh, they're not a national championship contender, as some of the orange-clad uh, people I wanted you to believe that were in Knoxville. They they thought they were going to turn the corner this year. Uh, I was hearing it from a lot of Tennessee fans that listened to my show. One in particular mm-hmm. that they were going to whip Oklahoma badly and then going to get Alabama. This was the year they were going to Atlanta. Now basically he wants to fire Butch Jones if they don't beat Florida. They're not even an SEC East contender, Drew. They may not be. We'll find that out. If they can't beat the Gators in Gainesville, you might as well just start making plans uh, to go to the Music City Bowl at best. Take the bus. All right, let me ask y'all. I know this is an SEC, but I'm just curious on y'all's opinion. What do y'all think about the firing of the AD at Texas? Had it's to happen. Bob Bockrath Part Two. Their version of that. He pissed off every donor. Uh, you know, they they could not stand him. Uh, he he rubbed people the wrong way from the start. Now Charlie Strong's going to have to try to get it turned around quick because if not, he'll get the zig. But uh, basically, they just it was toxic down there, and they do have a lot of different factions. And uh, DeLoss Dodds had been there a long time and, and basically knew how to handle the uh, – and was in, in, in well with a lot of the big donors. And uh, Steve Patterson wasn't. He'll get paid a lot of money to go away. But their I think their top target is Oliver Luck, Andrew Luck's uh, dad, who was the AD at West Virginia. Now they hired Alabama Shane Lyons, but he's working for the NCAA now, and I think that's who they're going to target to try to bring in and right the ship. Well, you think they'll try to go, you think they'll try to go after our man after the season, or what are you uh, if Nah, he's Nick, Sa- Nick Saban. Are you kidding? That Texas. dumpster fire, Big C. 
That place nah. is a mess. Nah, he's he's not going to Texas. That 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 ship has sailed. You know, the good ship Austin. They're they're they would be uh, going. They they would be uh, uh, barking it up other trees. But they just need to worry about getting an AD right now. They can get everyone uh, pulling in the same direction. But no, I don't expect. Oh, I agree. Not at all. No, well, I'm just no, but I mean, strong. I tell you what, I mean, I don't know. You think if he has a losing year this year, he's out the door right then? Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't know about that. I, I think his third year would be one they'd have to show significant progress for whoever the new age are, uh, you know, during this off season. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. it'd have to go horrifically bad for him to lose his job. But you know, as long as they get to a bowl game and show some progress, he'll be back. And uh, I think he'll get third year. But when you when you hire a new AD that didn't hire you, it always puts the onus on uh, you know on the head football coach to to get things rolling. And it's going to be up to Charlie Strong to do so. I think he's a pretty solid coach. He just may not be the right fit. We'll find out. Uh, they were soft. Uh, they had they had gone stale under Mac Brown, and you know we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but it, it's it's an interesting situation, as as Kerry said, it's really a dumpster fire over there right now. But oh, I agree with should, him on that. I don't, well, they they should have hired Art Bryles anyway, but you know they weren't smart enough. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, I don't know what else to talk about, but uh, Kerry, I'll get back with you tomorrow for Friday, and as always, enjoy talking with y'all guys. It's uh fun to talk Alabama football, and I didn't know we were going to get on the other subjects, but that was fun talking about that, too, though. Absolutely. We appreciate appreciate you calling. We always enjoy it. Roll Roll time. Thank you. See you down there. Roll time. See you. Hobnail. All right. See you later. Thank you. (laughs) That was a pretty good little segment with Big C. He was uh, the only caller we had tonight that didn't have a gigantic lag in his uh, signal, so that was good. Uh, But, yeah, uh, you know something I wanted to touch on before we get out of here tonight, though? as you know, Drew, I'm a, a big Atlanta Falcon fan. And um, on the very night that my 56-year-old self made two three-pointers in the church league game, they pulled out a good win against a good Philadelphia team. Admittedly, uh, a former Auburn kicker had to choke for it to happen. But how about the job done by NFC Offensive Player of the Week, Julio Jones, in that game against Philly Monday night? Uh, it was tremendous. Nine catches, 141 yards, two touchdowns. Would have had uh... – around 12 catches for close to 200 if it wasn't for dumbass penalties. And I'll go ahead and cuss on this show. But uh, just uh, got two or three offensive interference penalties. Uh, Julio was a beast. And he was the best player on the field. Uh, and I tweeted out his quote after the game. And uh, it's telling, and it's why he will be in Canton, Ohio. He said, I want to be great, and you can't be great if you're taking plays off and days off. And, and that's he why said on, he said on Westwood One Radio that he Nick learned Saban. that from Nick Saban. Nick Saban, and that's, uh, awesome. that's why, and uh, he, that's why he would always be the goat to me. I mean, he, he helped change the culture at Alabama. He he paved the way for obviously Amari Cooper, who will have a tremendous career in the pros as well. But Julio Jones, he you know he and then the, the thing I, I Brian Billick also had a great quote because he said because of Julio's work ethic to me. He's, you know, without a doubt, the best all-around wide receiver in the NFL. And then I, what I loved is hearing John Gruden talk about Julio Jones as a blocker. But all Alabama fans already knew that. Well, we did. We did. They, On top we, of those two, Mike Freeman from Bleacher Report, 
the, their senior bleach report guy flat out said he's one of the, he's the best wide receiver. Like he broke it down. Interesting story. I really like Mike Freeman, so I I, fran, I fanboyed with that. But anyway, Drew, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I, go ahead, Thomas. I mean, I didn't see the piece or didn't see what he said, but I do think Julio pound for pound could be the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. I mean, he plays with Matt Ryan, who's a who's a good quarterback. I don't think he really throws too many bonehead interceptions, uh, but he's a good player. And now uh, we kind of talked about this. I was excited about the rookie Coleman from uh, from uh, Indiana. He gave him some speed in the backfield and some size. He would have had close to 100 yards rushing if it wasn't for stupid penalties. Uh, but I I enjoyed watching them play. Roddy White still got it. Uh, you know, now Hankerson he's going to have to stop getting stupid penalties and uh, and, and be a playmaker. Uh, but again, I do think and I, I really think they looked much better on defense, Gary. They were much more aggressive. Yeah, Tank Quinn defense it did have its moments. Uh, Sam Bradford got hot in the second half. But I want to give a shout-out to all our listeners down in the Mobile area uh, who are at least uh, close to my age in their 50s or even their 40s. Uh, shout-out to you guys down in Mobile because your world is spinning on the, the, the same axis it did the whole time you were growing up. Here's how your weekend goes. Saturday, Alabama wins. Sunday, the Saints lose. Rinse, repeat. Welcome back to uh, your childhood and welcome back to reality. Uh, God bless those Auburn Aints. <laughs> well, Mark Ingram did have a very nice game. Had catches for nearly 100 yards. Only nine rushes, but they were behind much of the game. And Arizona Cardinals under Bruce Arians, a very, very good team, I think, uh, with Carson Palmer back healthy. Rashad Johnson had a big interception, should have had a game-sealing interception. I think he knows that. Uh, but he played well, and I do think the Cardinals uh, – may. I, uh, Seattle looks a little vulnerable. Uh, the Rams are obviously improved, but I think that's a tough division, maybe the best in football. Uh, but just, you know, don't go to sleep. And the 49ers had a nice win, opening win, but don't go to sleep on the Cardinals. They could be very, very good. Oh, they could, no doubt about it. And uh, the Falcons do play in – the worst division in the league. You probably can win the division at eight and eight, and so it was good to see them get to one and zero. Uh, the Scam Newtons did not look great, though they did win their opening game. Uh, Tampa is terrible. Good uh, the Saints, lord. The, the, the Saints are a pretty good team, but they don't have a defense. Uh, so you know you can score points all you want, but if you can't stop the other team, it doesn't really matter. So uh, Dan Quinn has has made the Falcons relevant again something they had not been the last two years under Mike Smith, and I'm, I'm quite happy about it. I'm quite happy for Julio, the fact that he got paid. And then he went out there and showed the whole world that he deserved the extension and the raise that he got. Yes, and now hopefully Alabama can uh, – they've, they've signed Calvin Ridley, and now hopefully they can sign uh, another great player uh, from the state of Mississippi, Starkville's A.J. Brown, who on film I don't think he's quite as big and as fast, but he's – He's in the he's in the ballpark of Julio Jones, and he's been lighting up uh, the high school scene his senior year. And I think Alabama's in a he's I think he's going to visit this weekend, and Alabama's in a really good spot with him. And I think now the visitors list has reached I think over seventy. Uh, I know Andrew Bone has had a hundred. I don't know if that many will show, but I think there's it's still going to be a who's who, and there's going to be a lot of great talent uh, on hand to hopefully witness a tied win over the Ole Miss Rebels. Interesting that you could mention you mentioned that because the the, the senior uh, the class of sixteen guy that that most people are comparing to Julio is AJ Jones who I'll be fortunate to AJ Brown yep 
A.J. Brown. I'll be able to see A.J. Brown on Friday the 6th of November. I saw the alleged sophomore Julio uh, and Justin Ross of Central Phoenix City a couple weeks ago. And this week, Drew, I'm going to see the alleged junior Julio, class of 17 guy, Nico Collins, along with T.J. Simmons. I'll see those two guys play for Clay Chalkville when Pinson comes in this Friday. I really wish you were, you were hosting a high school game so I could be calling and giving you updates on FNL every week. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be definitely watching your Twitter feed. I will be watching James Clemens and Buckhorn on Thursday night over at Madison City School Stadium and then repeating the venue on Friday as Kendall Randolph, A.J. Harris, and the Bob Jones Patriots take on the Gadsden City Titans on Friday night. Has anything changed recently in the recruitment of young Austin Troxel? Um, I've spoken with his father in a couple of weeks. I think Alabama and Auburn were dead, but at that time, uh, since then he has visited Alabama, I think the next week he came down for a practice. It's going to be interesting to see if he makes it on Saturday, probably text him out what his plans are. Uh, obviously, I'm sure uh, he, he – I'm hoping that they saw the fact. Uh, of course, every young South, Auburn was having trouble, their O-line getting movement against Jacksonville State, uh, while Alabama – Despite the fact that people say their offense has been uneven, has been, uh, they're still number two defense in the SEC at over 500 yards per game. I can't complain about that. And like you said, a lot of, a lot of big time recruits are coming in hard to be able to list them all. Uh, Clinton, did you maybe even come by the BAMS tent? Allegedly, that's a possibility. Uh, we, we do expect that Kevin Ridley, younger brother of Calvin, is going to be there. Uh, Paul yeah. Davis committed to Auburn is going to be there. Uh, it's going to be a Kendall Randall, as you just mentioned, is going to be there. A junior, probably the offense line, and uh, AJ Harris. So a lot of big names coming in this weekend for such a late game and a chance to Alabama to put on a show for on this field. But the class wise, meeting other teachers, this is a huge recruiting weekend. Make no mistake about it. Yeah, it really is. It's the biggest one of the season. It's what happens when, you know, ESPN game day comes down. A lot of people want to take in the environment, and it'll be an all day thing, as you said. It'll be a long day. And, of course, we won't be getting back until the wee hours of the morning, but it's going to be very, very electric. And uh, if and it's just going to be the place to be in college football Saturday. Uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama going to be jam-packed. And uh, going to be a uh, – I think the stadium is going to be – uh, it's going to be our first. Just uh, it, it was a nice crowd in Dallas, nice environment. You know, a lot of empty seats for Middle Tennessee, uh, but it will be off the wall Saturday night in Bryant Denny Stadium. Yep, and uh, just for the record, Drew's got twenty-seven twenty. Thomas has twenty to seventeen, and Kerry, that's me, has twenty-eight to twenty-four. We all three have Bama winning. We all three have Bama winning a close game. But uh, at, at this time, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this week's edition of BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family, because our beloved producer has got his hands full with some editing tonight with that great lag we had on most of the phone calls other than Big C. So, anyway, uh, we do appreciate everyone joining us, whether live or by podcast. Uh, signing off for another edition of BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. I'm your co-host, Kerry Clark from BamaMag.com. On behalf of Thomas Watts of Tuscan, Alabama, Magazine and Drew DeArmond of ESPN 97.7 The Zone. Thanks again for listening to BAM's radio. Roll Tide and good night, everybody. Roll Tide.